Ladies and gentlemen, people of all gender expressions, thank you for checking out the North Bank Media Podcast. I'm your host, Patrick Strevens. Joining me on the show this afternoon was Daniel Hakenen. Daniel's running for Edmonton City Council in Ward 7, CP Winniewalk, uh, on the October 18th election. Again, important to note that the, the, the Edmonton electoral wards are being uh, real, realigned on the election night. So, you know, make sure you know what ward you now live in and get out and vote. Uh, Dan's an entrepreneur. He owns multiple uh, paint and paint supply stores um, around the city of Edmonton, and he's taken a crack at public life running for city council. Uh, it was nice to talk to another council candidate after speaking with Derek Lady a few weeks ago. It gave me a chance to sort of reapproach some issues and do a better job trying to get informed. Um, again, a great conversation with, with somebody who's committed to hoping to make a difference on some small way in our city. Uh, that was a really great conversation. Uh, a lot of information, a little bit of a stronger performance by me and also just uh, someone that was really willing to go to some different ends of the spectrum or, uh, you know, places in the discussion at pretty short notice. So uh, he was a great guest. Uh, please enjoy this conversation with Daniel Hakenen. And then yeah. last name, is it Heikinen? Uh Heikinen, Heikinen. but honestly, sure, it's sure. Finnish. It's Heikinen, ah. Heikinen, okay. Heineken. <laughs> I, that's what I thought at first. I was like, yes, there's got to hmm. be a sponsorship potential there. Oh, most <laughs> most people think that, and it's fine. It's That's just the way the, right. the name goes. Could be, could be worse. Could have been like Danny Corona. <laughs> I, was, I was at a barbecue. Um, oh. Was it was it Saturday evening? I think it was Saturday evening. Uh, went over to uh, the 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 wife's. Uh, it's a bit of a bit of a story, but anyway, because sure, uh, uh, she she's she and I are both. It's funny we found each other. We're both adopted. So, but oh, she found her she found her birth mother. Okay. So uh, we went to their place for a barbecue, and they're like, "Oh, can I get you a Corona?" I'm like, "No, no. I hear there's problems with that." <laughs> yeah. No kidding. Took a few seconds for for the for the joke for the, to land, and yeah. they're like, "Oh, okay. oh yeah, that is funny." And then they felt bad about having seventy two coronas at that party, probably. <laughs> mostly, uh, uh, mostly Rattlers. Oh, huh? oh, um, nice. Well, yeah, good, good for summer. Oh, I, uh, perfect for summer. Yeah, low alcohol, so you don't get too uh, too out of control. <laughs> no, perfect and crisp. So. I guess first, yeah, Dan Dan Haken, and thank you for doing this, man. I really do appreciate it. It's uh, it's great to sit down and talk with someone who's who's making a run at a at public office. Thank you very much for having me. I wanted to hit you with a couple breaking items, and if if you haven't had time to process these or you don't you don't have much to say, that's okay. But I saw them on Twitter today, and I wanted to just run them by you and see kind of get your feedback on those. Okay. I think the big the well, there's a couple. Did you see what Mike Nickel tweeted this morning? Uh, admittedly, I'm not on Twitter. So. Oh, oh, good for you. You yeah. are not. Well, I mean, you're missing out in some ways, but you're also not missing out in a lot of ways. You know what I mean? I I tried Twitter once, and mm-hmm. 150 characters to convey nuanced thought just wasn't the way to do it. It's I, a, I couldn't I couldn't get into it. It's a real problem, and 
people want politicians to behave that way, but it can't be done, I don't think. Mm-mm. Right. Well, that's interesting. Let's put that, what I was about to say on the back burner. And, and was that your reason? Are you not on social media? I mean, you're on Instagram. Oh, no, no, no. I'm on, I'm on Facebook. Yeah. I'm on Facebook and Instagram. Okay. okay. Um, mostly because with Facebook, uh, well, I, I guess I kind of grew up with it, right? When I was in university, Pretty so much. I'm very familiar with it. Mm-hmm. Instagram, the wife is better at it, but I'm learning. Mm-hmm. And Twitter, uh, I just, if I'm honest, I think social media is um, anything but social. So mm-hmm. I try but- not to spend a lot of time on it. Right, right, it, right. It's almost like not anti-social, but a-social media. It's like it, it drives people further apart in their in their thinking. Yeah, I feel like you don't really make the connection. Mm, okay. So uh, anyway, I not to say I'm against Twitter, but it's just sure. like, eh, not my, my not my bag. But anyway, what did Mike Nichols say? Mike Nichols, well, it's he, he's a he's kind of an alarmist, I think, in some ways. He's kind of going after the fear, uh, kind of a fear narrative, or he's. Anyway, what, what he did was he issued what he called a downtown Edmonton travel advisory. I'm going oh. to pull it up just so I have it here. But basically, he, he basically rolled out some stats about, you know, increasing violence, increasing crime downtown, uh, sexual assault, animal abuse, you know, armed robberies, things like that. That's, it's all on the rise in downtown Edmonton, according to these stats. He accompanied that with a graphic that said he, he advises a downtown travel advisory but then mm-hmm. w- when you look at what he actually says he just says um basically i'm just pulling it up here he says travel advisory there's increased risk to the public i recommend traveling groups check your surroundings and report suspicious activity to 911. Hmm. so again i know i'm coming out of left field with this but i guess what i thought was a it's like he's not really advising you not to go downtown which people are jumping on him for that i don't believe he's doing that but he's He's, he's raising the alarm about a problem. Uh, I guess people are finding it divisive or, or not constructive, maybe, at the least. Do you, do you feel it's political stunting, then? I, I really do think that. I mean, the, uh, the way you look at the graphic, it's all very flashy colors, exclamation marks, red, red text. You know, it looks almost like an official public health advisory, but it's not. It is, it is very much a stunt. Well, I mean it kind of sounds that way to me and mm-hmm. and whether it is or not it certainly worked in the past um who is the gentleman that ran for council that was complaining about the city if i don't know if you'll recall him mm. it's on the tip of my tongue but he was city council and he was at a party and he was complaining about how the police intentionally hunted him down uh and and, and gave him breathalyzer okay and and made a big deal about him drinking and driving and and that catapulted him into council so he he made a big issue about nothing, mm-hmm. and it won because and it allowed him to win because the people in his in his ward, mm-hmm. uh, you know, oh how could that be? Sure, you know, oh that's that's unacceptable, mm-hmm. and he rode that wave. Interesting. So, uh, okay, and I think because that's I, I don't I'm not this is not like the bash Mike Nickel podcast. Like no, I, no, I no, 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 no. But I, I let's be honest, not. politics. No, no. But like I think everyone realizes politics has some gamesmanship Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. and I would be very naive if I didn't agree that this perchance perchance is some gamesmanship. Right. 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 And even he, he tweets these graphics and then he leads with, if we cannot protect our mothers, daughters and sisters, then what kind of city are we? It's like, well, is, is that you, you see what he's doing there, but it's pretty 
transparent in some ways. Uh, yes, it's 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 playing on because after all, uh, uh, who who wouldn't want to look after their their mother, sister, or daughter? Sure. Um, so then the only recourse open to you is, uh, well, yeah, of course. Instead of saying, well, no, I don't want to protect my mother, sister, or daughter. Right. So he exactly. he's 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 put you into a position where. The only way out is either to the only ways the only routes are to agree with him, or to, I guess, be labeled as someone who doesn't mm-hmm. want to protect the vulnerable. Right, and and what and just to finish this, it's so interesting that he doesn't offer any solution here except this advisory that he himself has sort of constructed. So, it, you know what? That's one way to go about it. Let's say that. Sure, and <laughs> uh, uh, it's. <laughs> I'm, uh, yeah, I don't think we really need to say no. more on the subject. No, you, na- cool. you nailed it. <laughs> well, that's cool. I'm, that's, and that's uh, that's no problem. Two other things that I saw on Twitter today, just because I took a scroll through the Yeg City Council mm-hmm. hashtag. Um, one one City Council uh, candidate in a different ward is op- is uh, kind of advocating for all candidates to display uh, their funding and be transparent with their donations. Is that anything that uh, when when you hear that, what do you think? Oh, I'm totally in favor of that. Mm-hmm. Um, in the previous 2017 election, um, candidates were able to receive uh, funds from corporations. Mm-hmm. And I am a big believer in getting business out of politics um, because it skews, right? Like, uh, mm-hmm. especially if it's like large developers or, or any, you know, large multi-million dollar company. If, if they can freely give up to certain limits or give money to their people to give to those people, which I'm sure there's still ways around. You know, you can only craft policy as best you can, but they'll find ways. Mm-hmm. Well, then that's when you see candidates with large bankrolls that they can then use to mail out and door knock and mm-hmm. et cetera, that people like, you know, quote, regular people that don't have those corporate connections, mm-hmm. you can't compete. So this, I'm a big fan of evening the playing field. So right. You know, your money can only come from the people. Mm-hmm. Okay, then it's 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 only coming from the best. Pe- the the money goes to the people who can best convince people that they're the right choice. Right, and and then at least people, if they can see if someone is getting big big corporate funding, at least then we can know that okay, this person. And you can it. know absolutely, right. yeah. And so related. Oh, did you have one other thought? Oh, um, only only the point of transparency is like let's say let's say for instance corporate donations were allowed. Right. Um, so I receive money from a very large. Let's hypothetically, I receive money from a very large construction firm. Mm-hmm. Um, well, I you know I personally believe that uh, counselors should uh, expose what they vote on okay. by making it accessible to people in the ward. So they go to your website, they see the docket number for, you know, all the different things that you vote on, mm-hmm. how you voted, they can follow the link to see the greater detail of what it was. So more clarity there, but sure. the, let's, let's say I was receiving money from corporate donors. Well, mm-hmm. then you are going to want to see what I'm voting on <laughs> because maybe I'm voting in favor of things that are beneficial to them. You know, mm-hmm. scratch my back, scratch your back situation. So I think, you know, for people to believe that democracy works, we need to be able to shine a light on every aspect of it. Hmm. Oh, that's, that's well said. And just to be clear, is it, is it the case that so corporate donations are not allowed in municipal but elections here? Not, not allowed. Not, okay. um, you can't get them from a numbered company. It has to come from an individual. Okay. 
So related to that was uh, mayoral candidate Kim Christian. And I, I'm not a huge, I don't know like politics deeply. You know, it's not, it doesn't interest me in some ways, but so I didn't know about this concept, but uh, Kim Chrishell, mayoral candidate, uh, she's releasing a, a, she's advocating for what she calls no candidate slate policy, meaning, and so you, now, as I understand it, candidate slating is like candidates sort of uniting and running um, under a banner or under, you know, it's, it's a bunch of them behind the scenes fronting one candidate, I guess. So being, or, or having provincial party, uh, you know, influence, things mm. like that. Okay. Um, I would agree. I don't, I don't know if like there's multiple candidates supporting, like if there's say, say, you know, there's five candidates and an incumbent in a ward and mm -hmm. the other candidates realize like, Oh, okay. This person's the clear front runner. Let's support them. Mm -hmm. I mean, if you want to support, I, I don't know if I agree with that, but I also don't know if it happens too much. You would think that if other people, uh, if other candidates support mm -hmm. another candidate, that they would just, you know, back out of the race mm. and say why they're backing out. So then it's 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 clear, it's transparent. You know, hey, if you supported me, I'm sorry. I think this this person's the way to go. Please support them. You know, I'm in support of them. Then right. it's it's clear, it's open, and now you no longer have a candidate supporting another candidate. It's you know a regular citizen supporting a candidate. Okay. As for as for not having anything like not having provincial or federal politics involved in municipal, I completely agree with that because they're supposed to stay separate. Right. For a reason. And for for a very good reason. Um, people have asked me, you know, what are what uh, you know? Oh, we understand that you know you're running for cities. So there's no provincial or there's no federal party or there's no party politics. But if you had to vote, you know, how would you vote? And that can be. I'm like, well. I'm going to vote for whoever does the least damage. Whoever <laughs> really, that's a great approach. Yeah. Um, but I'm, I mean, I'm, I guess, I don't know if this will answer further questions and it's kind of, you know, you didn't really ask this one, but no, I find I, I, my background, I find I'd be more of an independent because I'm mm. fiscally conservative, but socially liberal. Sure. So I, I believe in, in give, helping people, giving them a help up, hand up and, and assistance because not all of us are, are born, uh, you know, on the wheel of fortune, we're not all born at the top. Yeah, absolutely. Um, so people do need some assistance to to find their way. Mm -hmm. But you can't throw infinite money at a problem. You know, uh, there's only there's only so much to go around. So we have to we have to ideally ask that we get the most out of every dollar. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So, so by tying those, two, because we all want the same thing. Like, regardless if you're NDP or conservative or liberal or you know even Bloc Québécois, mm -hmm. um, everyone wants the same thing: a roof over their head, food in their bellies, mm -hmm. and their their kids are not you know suffering. Right. Mm -hmm. So we all might have different ways of how we get there, um, but ultimately, I think we all really want the same thing. So mm -hmm. we're kind of all on the same team, and it, that seems to get lost with party politics. So. Yes. Anyway, 100%. bit of a ramble, but no, there you no, go. no. I, I love to hear all that. I think you're right fundamentally. Uh, just to finish the candidate slate thing, I um, what Kim Chrishell wrote like a blog article, and what she says is, I became concerned when I heard about possible candidate election slates. That is, mayoral candidates combining forces, agendas, and fundraising with a hand-picked group of council candidates, with the ultimate goal of advancing a shared agenda. So, it's almost like the mayor picking his team. And then going into the election, I, 
I think I know of an instance where that's happening, where the mayoral candidate has his chosen counselors that he wants to support. Okay. And people have asked me who I'd vote for mayor, and I say, kind of similar to political politics, I go, look, <laughs> the, mayor, the mayor is one voice on council out of 13. Mm-hmm. Um, it doesn't matter who the mayor is. It, because yes. the mayor, just, if, if the mayor has you know, a vision for what they want, it's up to them to convince the other councillors that this direction forward is the best one. Right, right. So, so uh, I can understand that, you know, if a mayoral candidate is grooming a number of councillor candidates, like, okay, I want this to be my team, mm-hmm. that <laughs> kind of defeats the purpose of politics. Sure. Uh, yeah. uh, in this situation anyway. Or yeah, in I this just, situation, yeah. I heard it referred so, to uh, as like the weak mayor system where the mayor is only, like you say, worth one. Yeah. V- vote. I could, I could, I could agree with Chrishell, uh Kim's um, concern. Okay. Yeah. No. Okay. Beautiful. Well, I appreciate you sort of fielding those those line drives right off the bat. <laughs> so. To speak. Oh no, it's okay. You feel free to ask me anything. That's awesome. I I guess so. One thing that I I, I like I said I spoke with Derek Lady, who's also running in your ward. Have you met with him ever or talked to him? You know anything about him? Uh, I I haven't met with him. I've okay. seen some of his his uh, campaign material. Mm. Um. I, t- I received the advice from a political analyst and and uh, political um, uh, like campaign manager. Okay. Who I don't well, I don't have a I don't have you know a, a, a true blue campaign manager. Um, okay, but the, his advice was uh, don't don't talk to other candidates because Makes sense. you if you want to represent your ward, mm-hmm. you don't want to give the other candidates any information or ideas, right? Sure. You're the best you're the best candidate. You have you have good ideas. Don't share them because then it then if everyone kind of goes, "Oh yeah, I like that idea too. I'm in favor of that." Well, mm-hmm. then it muddies the water. Right. And then yeah, exactly. We're not clear who who who's putting what ideas forward here anyway. Exactly. And I at the end of our interview, I asked him, "Well, you on like municipal level, you and the incumbent and the other candidates how much do you really disagree on? Like what, you know, and he said, well, stop. I actually disagree with Sarah Hamilton on a lot of things. And I was like, oh, that would have been good for me to maybe open the interview with. So do you have a sense of uh, what you might have done differently or some, do you know how you sort of differ from Hamilton or the incumbent? Yes. Um, So Sarah was in favor of the gondola project, which I do not think is going to be a good access to the River Valley. Um, Okay. I believe... Uh, um, I believe that what people would prefer, and and I say this only because of the experience I've had door knocking, mm-hmm. that the Rossdale plant should be converted into some form of market with food and okay. drinks and amenities, and that, that is become that should become a entryway into the River Valley for families to access, mm-hmm. um, and then as you move through, more 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 amenities so that you know the the regular families can go through and enjoy and then the hardcore people can go off on the single and double black diamond trails right um so to speak Mm -hmm. but i I found that the the uh that was an issue i didn't think that was a good idea Hmm. um regardless that it's private funds to uh, supposedly i it's probably going to come for public money soon enough don't they always (laughs) inevitably um I, I, I disagree greatly with the uh, 51 acre solar farm that okay. they want to build in the River Valley. Um, now, did she vote for that? Because that was a split decision. I think it was seven six. Did she vote for she, it? She was on side for it. Okay. 
And and I'm against it if only because the point of the River Valley is um, we're trying to protect a green space. And while I'm also in favor of solar energy over, um, say, like wind or hydro, sure. and I only say that because we're seeing, you know, California with the, the rising heat waves and droughts, they're shutting down hydro plants because no there's water. Not enough, not, no water. So <laughs> that becomes, we have to keep that as a reality. Mm-hmm. Uh, wind power, um, the issue there is that you can't recycle the turbines. So you, you bury them in a landfill. So that's not oh, exactly wow. very green. Right. Um, and with solar, um, it's just, there's some, well, there may be some data that says, well, it's not as, as cost effective as people think, although it is emissionless. Mm-hmm. So, true, um, true. well, except for the manufacturing, it's not emissionless, but then the right. production is. Right. right. But, I believe like you have, you have all of these, like you go down Gateway Boulevard, you go down Calgary Trail, like you have all these low lying buildings. Mm. Um, there are a lot of them are, have south and west facing sides, just, just build framework and, and put the uh, solar panels there, build sure. them into the structures, sure. feeds mm. into the grid. And then we're not, we're not having any impact on green space. Right. Right. It's a, it, okay. Go ahead. Yeah. Okay. So, so um no, did that bring up a question for you? No, absolutely. I'm glad you went to the solar farm. I wanted to make a meal out of it. So please keep, if you have more to say, please. Okay. Um, and I mean, the the city can try, or I should say Epcor can say, oh, well, we'll have minimal impact, mm-hmm. except that we're not sure what impact we're going to have. Mm-hmm. So, so, you know, your best laid plans, once they face reality, change. Mm-hmm. I would say just stay out of there. Don't do it. Instead, focus on something else and then we're guaranteed not touching any green space, any habitat. Um, and we're, we're enjoying, we're having more commercial buildings being used, uh, not just obviously for their, their intended space, but then they're feeding into the grid. Um, not that it's really here or there. I'm also a big fan of nuclear power because it is clean. It's clean and efficient. And the great thing about Alberta, we don't have tsunamis. We don't have earthquakes. So, Mm you can safely build small reactors and produ- produce the power we need. Hmm. Um, especially considering that uh, our infrastructure is heavily, heavily taxed right now, just meeting the demands of the people. Hmm. Um, the city wants to grow to 2 million people by 2065. And we can, we actually have, uh, according to some residents in the Rio Terrace area, hmm. um, we have rolling blackouts in the city that aren't going publicized because right. wow. yeah, uh, according to according to one gentleman, he goes, my, my, my mother who lives by herself, mm-hmm. her power went off and, and they're not telling us that they're doing rolling blackouts, but you can see the neighborhood like several is, is dark. And then it just kind of continues on because with the heat wave, right. More demand on the grid, more demand on the grid and the grid can't handle it. Interesting. So, are we getting to a place where Edmonton's infrastructure is is tapped out? Is it uns- are we getting to an unsustainable level? Uh, I mean, especially with infill. Um, mm-hmm. So again, we'll go back to Rio Terrace because I, I I received a lot of information from people, and I was there when it flooded. Oh, when do you recall when West Edmonton Mall had yes. that like once and, and I, they had to? I, just as an aside, I was born and grew up in Rio Terrace, so. Shout out to Rio Terrace, man. That's the best neighborhood in the city. I'll say it right now. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I've got I've got uh, friends and family that live there. Um, awesome. In fact, um, my friend that gave me the kick in the butt to to run for city council mm. um, 
and his family still lives there. I was there years ago when it flooded. Um, 2004. Yes, yes. So uh, water just pour cascading down the street, and we realized, like, oh no, we got we got to run to the basement. Right. And there's water pouring in through the windows. There's water pouring through the vents, and we did our best to try and get outside in the hail, uh, covering ourselves, trying to yeah. like bail out water and yeah. ice. I remember that day, man. Yeah, we just said, okay, well, this this ship's sinking. There's nothing more we can do. But you just let it happen, right? Yeah, so they, they went in. I remember they tore up the streets. They put in uh, more pipes. They increased the infrastructure. They widened up but, that outfall, that, that storm drain. Yeah. yeah. But, but the people there are, are concerned with the infill because they go, look, we're already, we're already at capacity. The infrastructure can't take it. And now you're splitting a lot and putting more people. Mm-hmm. We're just compounding an issue. Rio Terrace fought hard against skinny houses. Sorry to cut you off there, but just... Oh, no, please. So... Okay, to finish your thought, I just got excited because we're talking about my, my home neighborhood. Here. So to finish my thought, yes. Please, please do. I think our infrastructure is reaching a terminal point mm-hmm. if we're not already there, mm-hmm. and we need to do more to upgrade it, um, If especially if we're going to add more people to this city. Uh, we need to make sure that we have an infrastructure, both power, water, and gas, and waste, mm-hmm. I, guess, I guess water in, water out, that can take the load that we're about to put on it. But now that we're talking about Rio That's Terrace, right. I guess go ahead. I don't remember now. Just I, I thought it seemed like a great way to transition because you brought up a good point. I said, is the infrastructure tapped out? You said with infill, it's starting to look that way. And then it occurred to me, Rio Terrace really fought hard against infill for a long time and lost. Yeah. And so is that the case then? Now you've got two houses on one lot and now that lot is drawing twice as much of, of everything? It's it's you're pumping twice as much sewage through. You're, right. drawing, twi- you're drawing twice as much power. Um if the system, if you didn't plan for the system to, to take that. Mm-hmm. And I guess I have to question how much planning goes into it. Like I, <laughs> uh, Good question. I, 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 like I, I mean, here, we'll give a little bit of background about me. So sure. I'm, I, I love games, both board games, computer games. Okay. And when it comes to developing, right? Like you have two different ways of looking at it. You can either go, do we, using the same logic in reality, do you go, do we build the infrastructure before the people, or do we find out how many people we're going to have and then build the necessary infrastructure? And I'm always an infrastructure than people, because then you're you're disrupting people less. Sure. Okay. Um, but again, you have to have kind of plan like, okay, well, we're going to put, you know, how many in this district, say, Garapi or Rio mm-hmm. Terrace, et cetera. Okay, well, we're going to have, you know, um, 800 people in this area. Great. What kind of infrastructure do we have? Well, we have infrastructure that can support 900 people. Great. Then if there's any overage, so more demand on the power grid, we're good. Mm. Um, for whatever reason, there's a storm, so we need more more drainage, we're good. And then we can add a little bit of infill. But then if we're ticking closer to a, um, a threshold of, okay, this is it. Like, this is your capacity. Right. Like, there's no extra. Well, we, we built it into the system. So we, we built it in and we're not tearing up people's streets and we're not making life difficult to, you know, navigate around. So plan well in advance, put it in there. Yes, there might be a small cost to it or a higher cost, but mm-hmm. come time for all the people to show up, then there's no inconvenience. Right. And, and, and my platform's kind of main theme is improving quality of life. Well, that, Mm-hmm. That concept, that mentality fits with that because mm-hmm. 
I don't know anyone that likes going and uh, driving down a street one day and then coming out and finding out, oh, well, they've, they've torn up the street to repave it and Epcor is doing some work and this is also happening great. So it's now three kilometers of one lane. Mm-hmm. Oh, you're talking about Jasper Ave or 104th Ave. Or I'm talking about the city. Like, <laughs> yeah. Throw, yeah. throw a dart at a board, you're going to find it. Yep. And so that's interesting that you, you use quality of life as a kind of way to uh, define how you're going to approach infrastructure. And it, you're saying less less disruption for people. That means sort of planning better, planning for the long term a little bit better. I mean, yeah. Yeah. Uh, that's, uh, I can't say that the planning that's currently going on isn't maybe, it, or is it, maybe it is the best. Maybe that they're, they're thinking possible. Uh, it's possible, right? I mean, I, I can't, I can't look behind the curtain to see the wizard of Oz. I, <laughs> I don't know if we're having, <laughs> yeah. you know, the best minds doing the best work. I just know from my experience, having born, been born and raised in the city and, and now, you know, pounding the pavement and talking to people, mm-hmm. the collective consensus is there's an issue with planning and execution. Mm-hmm. So I don't know if it's planning. I just think it might be the execution and, and departments talking to each other. Interesting. I, I had heard that there's, is it, I don't know what you know about this, but city, the, the city sort of staff structure is that it's kind of getting a bloated sort of middle management or there's i'm talking out of my ass but this is something no, i no, remember no, hearing no. <laughs> i i've i've heard it as well yeah um you know mike nickel mentioned that there's a lot of middle managers okay. and i don't know yeah. right i don't i don't how know would, how exact how would I? I i mean really none of us know we 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 look at the city budget and we see percentages mm-hmm. being portioned off to certain um, districts or certain, I should say, sorry, certain um, departments. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. But we don't know how that money is being spent. We don't know if there's too many middle managers, if there's you know too many cooks, spoil sure. the broth. Yeah. Um, I, I'm a big fan of automation, right? Oh, we yeah. live in the digital age. So if there's a way to automate certain things, giving more agency to frontline workers so that they can they can kind of, you know, open up an app on their phone, send a request that goes up to someone, mm. um, a man, uh, like one or two or three levels of management that I then process those. So then it's, it's faster. I don't know. Right. I'm just spitballing ideas, no, but that's what the show's for. <laughs> yeah. Oh, oh, something I do believe in is that, uh, and this, this might no longer be the case, but I remember when the city wanted to do something, they would say, Oh, come down to city hall and see the plans. They're open. Oh yeah. Well, I mean, parking's a pain. Um, (laughs) And and what if what if you're 70 and our transit system isn't exactly the best? I I don't think anyone's going to disagree with that. No, and getting worse apparently. And getting worse. So how about this? Go to the city website, click on projects, Mm -hmm. find the one in your area, open the PDF, and then from the safety of your home, or I should say the comfort of your home, sure, you can read the whole plan and then decide how you're going to yell at council. Right, yell with an informed. Background. Well, and make it convenient, sure. and that's that's actually something that's really important when it comes to, I think, people, the public, and the city is, uh, and its and its services. If you don't make it convenient, people aren't going to use it. Hundred percent. Which we can tie into the transit system, but I'm sure we can. We'll double back to that one well, at some point. We can go to transit right now, and I had heard somebody suggest. I just I hear things, and I can't remember who says them, but they said. 
Well, Haledi said public transit would have to look like an upgrade to the average person to start using it. Somebody I then heard said we should subsidize it fully. I think is it, it might be Cheryl Watson, the mayoral candidate who I'm talking to next week, who is in favor of free public transit within the downtown core. Now, are there things to do with public transit as far as making it an attractive option for people? Because there's a stigma, obviously. So that was a lot in one go, but take it's it, okay. Take I'm, it I'm unpacking it right now. Sure. Um, okay. Let's tackle the first thing. So as for subsidizing it fully, mm-hmm. um, I can see, I can see an argument for why you'd want to do that because then if it's free, there's no barrier to access, right? Especially on income level. Sure. But if you don't pay for something like I'm going to, I'm going to use an analogy. So, okay. If you, why is it that you could give someone great advice, but if they pay an expert for it, they listen to the expert over you? It's because they gotcha. didn't spend any money. Free advice has no value to them because they didn't pay for it. Mm-hmm. If they pay for it, then presumably they value it more. So mm-hmm. um, I could see finding a way to lower the overall cost. I don't know if I don't know if subsidizing it is the right option because I don't know what that would actually look like or cost. And like I said, we we have a, a a fairly tight budget, or we should have a fairly tight budget. So it's determining kind of what the best usage is. I think cutting down wait times and overall transit times, like uh, right now, most bus stops, especially LRT stops, yeah. are like thirty minutes for a train. Uh, if we could cut that down in half to fifteen to twenty minutes, I think more people would feel inclined to use transit because. It's efficient. It's right. convenient. Um, but again, I don't know. I don't know all the numbers. I do have a friend that is a. Uh, I'll, I'll, I'll save him embarrassment by just saying he's he's a member of the bus drivers union. <laughs> okay, sure. And he he's like, I'm not in your ward, but like, hey, what do you think on these two points? And I said, okay, well, what are they? Right. I'm I'm ignorant about what you're talking about because unfortunately. It hasn't popped up on my newsfeed, right? I've got Flipboard on my phone. I tell it what I'm interested in. It gives me a lot of information to go through. Okay. But I don't know anything about this. Hmm. He says, well, Edmonton is thinking about merging its transit system with it, with the outlying areas like Stony Plains, Spruce Grove, Fort Saskatchewan, okay. uh, you know, St. Albert, et cetera, so that you have less duplicate buses. So finding some efficiency that way, but um, then allowing for more movement of people. I'm like, I'm in favor of that if it makes sense. And if all the communities are willing to share the cost, um, not to say equally, right? Mm-hmm. Like if three buses, you know, if three buses per hour are coming out of Sherd Park and only two out of St. Albert, I wouldn't expect St. Albert to pay the same rate as, um, or, or cover the same cost as a Sherd Park, right? Sure, it's, sure. it's as used. But he goes, okay, well, what about what about the inclusion of the union? I said, in what way? He goes, well, in discussions. I'm like, well, you're the frontline workers. Why wouldn't we listen to you? <laughs> Good, yeah. Like, like I'm sorry, that seems that seems foolish. Like, right. you should always listen to the frontline people because they're the ones who are always there at all times. Mm-hmm. Um, you should you should listen to them because you know maybe they don't have uh, an MBA, maybe they don't have you know a degree in 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 economics, but they they know their job and they know the traffic. So if if you go to them and say, Hey, we want to do this, what will the impact be? And they go, okay, well, it's uh, what do you want it to achieve? It's not going to achieve that. Hmm. Great. Okay. Then let's not do that. Let's rethink our plan. What should we do? Mm-hmm. Yeah. And so you had this conversation he's a bus drivers union 
he's he's yeah. a bus driver. He's he's bus no, driver. he's he's a bus driver. So he okay. he is one of those frontline people. And so he and he feels that his the union or the the members generally the frontline workers aren't being listened to as transit oh, they, is they being overhauled. They were expressly kept out of it. <laughs> They weren't they weren't approached about it at all. Uh, the the decisions and the planning was made without their input. Hmm. I mean, that's not, and that doesn't does that surprise you really? <laughs> well, I mean, yeah. Uh, you so you know my stance, and I guess so for your listeners. I'm also a small business owner, mm-hmm. um, and what I tell my staff is, you know, here's here's how to go from point A to point B. But if you find a better way, tell me because. Right you're the ones in the store. Like I can only teach you the way I was taught and the way that makes sense in the industry. But Mm -hmm. if you find a better way, please tell me and do it because if it makes your job easier and serves the customer, then everyone wins. Right. But so, so I, that's, so I do, I do strongly believe in um, frontline worker input because Mm -hmm. they're the ones doing the job. Yeah. And maybe even incentivizing them to come up with innovations, you know, Sure. Well, I, I, I think everyone's like everyone's incentive is, oh, my job gets easier. <laughs> Fair enough. Yeah. <laughs> no, that's that's it. So that's let's go there. Then you mentioned you're a small business owner. What what are you, what is your business venture right now that you're oh that you're doing? So since 2015, uh, I have been a Benjamin Moore retailer. So I okay. sell paint for a living. All right on. So yeah. you own like it's franchising, is it or uh, more like dealership? So dealership, okay. Yeah, so like you could have Patrick's Paints mm. as as the corporate entity, and then you could be, and then you'd operate as a Benjamin Moore mm. uh, as a paint store. You could s- theoretically sell anyone's products if they were willing to sell to you. But mm. there is benefits of being a single line retailer as opposed to split line. Mm. Um, so yeah, I've got three stores: uh, North Edmonton, Sherd Park, and Gateway Boulevard. Uh, and nice. I guess be- so. My full background I, before that, I ran a painting and flood restoration company briefly. Mm. I say briefly because I hated doing it. Um, uh, getting paid in AS insurance money is good, but getting paid in 90 to 120 days with unre- un- unreliable sub trades. Sure. And I'm sure any tradesperson listening to this goes, yep. <laughs> yep. I know yep. what you mean. Nodding along. Uh-huh. Yeah. And then before that, I, uh, I worked for about four years at Sherwin Williams, uh, three months as a part-timer. Then they made me assistant manager. And then uh, nice. eventually I did that for a couple of years before they made me operations manager. And then, I just kind of felt like I should I should go off on my own. Yep. Um, and before that, I graduated from the U of A with a degree in uh, psychology. Oh, right on, right on. Yeah. What years were you at the U of A? Uh, well, I graduated in 2010, okay. and it all kind of blurs together the older I get. Um, I hear you. I want to say sounds like sounds like undergrad, <laughs> a little blurry. <sighs> Let me think. Sure. Um. Okay, so as originally out of high school, I went to Grant McCune for a couple of years. My frustration with that is that they tell you these some courses transfer, and then you get there, and they're like, uh, "Oh yeah, no, these don't transfer." I'm like, right. "Okay, so I lost a year of courses." Sure. Ouch. Um, so I want to say 2005 to 2010. Okay. Yeah. Sure. So right. yeah, uh, I, I'll admit I, I'll admit I spent seven years in post secondary because I didn't uh, want to start and stop. I started in genetics originally, but interesting. I. I didn't like the lab read. Like I'm a big science nerd. I didn't, if okay. you can't tell from the paraphernalia behind. Sure. I see, I see a sword. I see some, uh, Boba so Fett. Yeah. Boba Fett, Iron Man. And, nice. uh, yeah, the, the Katana actually was a, a groomsman gift from a friend's oh. wedding. So all four of us got one. Oh, good. Just in case yeah. zombies. Or well, something. 
I mean, it looks it looks fierce. But it looks fierce. Is it sharp? Yeah. Like, could you? Uh, probably. I don't know. I've never tried to cut myself on it. Uh, I, th- I think it is. I think like all swords <laughs> you buy, they come sharp. But nice. Uh, it's certainly not a. Uh, you know, I, I I wouldn't go challenge someone with no. it. I'm sure. It, I'm sure it'd break on the first swing. Sure. Well, I, I yeah. hope it doesn't come to that. I hope the swords <laughs> no, don't have to come no. out. Yeah. No. I'm I'm really fascinated by people that make the leap into entrepreneurialism. I've kind of done that myself just as I'm a freelancer basically. So I don't have a job per se. I just, I have to go out and find my own clients. Sure. Um, do you did, I guess my question then is did your jumping into public life here or attempting, did that seem like a natural next step? Cause you apparently you can tolerate a little bit of risk in your career. So did this seem kind of like I'm an independent person. I can go out and take a stab at this. So I've always been interested in politics, Mm. like always global politics, provincial, federal, municipal. Like I've always loved politics. I actually took political science uh, when I was at Grant McEwen and that really, um, uh, by the way, course is not transferring over. I thought I had a business minor with my, my political science and economics and surprise you didn't. didn't? So still great courses, but um, so I've always wanted to do it, but I think entrepreneurship really showed me the pitfalls and the risks that entrepreneurs take. For sure. Um, and instead of being an employee, you really see more, you, you engage more with the systems of government on multiple levels. Sure. And I think you feel the inefficiency of them. Hmm. So that's um, not particularly the why, that's not one of the reasons why I ran. Um, okay. And I admit, I, I, I started late. You know, I know mm-hmm. Derek and a few others started in January. Uh, a friend of mine uh, for many years, he said, I'm thinking of running for politics. I said, I want to run too. I've been wanting to do it. Let's run together. I think he's still getting signatures, so I have no idea if oh. his, his, his real <laughs> like interest, his real success rate of doing it. But that kind of started the process for me. Mm-hmm. So, And I, I just jumped in both. Like, I guess like being an entrepreneur, um, I jumped in both feet. Mm-hmm. And, you know, within a week I had all my signatures and then uh, it was just juggling a lot of different things like, okay, we're yeah. going to, um, you know, the wife was designing my material because she loved doing it. She was so supportive and she's very creative. She's like, I'm going to design your flyers and your signs. Nice. So then it's like, okay, we'll get the signs made. We'll get the flyers printed. Uh, oh, we should get a professional website done. Yep. And I'm like, yeah, okay, let's, if you know someone, let's do it. Mm-hmm. Um, which we're both, we're both, um, in a networking group. So, uh, called BNI, which is, yeah. So, so we know a lot of people, so it's like, okay, well, yeah, you know, someone, I know someone like, let's get it going. Um, so yeah, hence the, the, the website, which I'm very pleased with. Looks good. Uh, oh yeah, no, it, it better. (laughs) I like your branding too, with the, the dark blue and the gold. I think it's very slick, very sharp. Yeah. Well, again, that's all Leanne. So she, she did an amazing job. Um, but I just jump in both feet and, you know, I, 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 I made the comment once that uh, uh, no one plays to lose. And mm-hmm. they're like, well, so what do you think your odds of winning are? I'm like, it all depends on my amount of work, right? right. No, one, no one goes into entrepreneurship thinking they're going to lose. Uh, no one jumps into politics thinking they're going to lose. They're mm-hmm. gonna, they, they should commit everything to it to make the best effort. But I also, I also use that same metaphor or that same way of thinking when mm-hmm. it comes to, say, board games, right? <laughs> okay. Well, it's for fun. But remember, none of us are playing to lose. We're all trying to win. Right. It's just, can we win with grace? Win with grace. Well, I hope no. you, 
Yeah, win with grace. I guess that, that old saying where they say the person who thinks that they can is right. The person who thinks they can't is also right. Like you have, you got to go out or as if, not as if you're going to win, but well, I guess that is it. Like you go at it like you are going to win. Yeah. Um, not necessarily the secret, but uh, one of the things that I, I learned in my courses and I kind of believe is that um, if you set a goal, and not an unreason not to say there's any unreasonable goals, but if you set a goal like I'm going to achieve this, mm-hmm. um, every what I believe is that every subconscious action that you take is towards the achievement of that goal. Mm-hmm. Not to say it's a secret where I'm I'm putting out positive <laughs> vibes into the universe and I'm asking no you to give me things. Yeah. But it's like I want to achieve this, mm-hmm. and so every day I'm I'm picking away at it a little bit, and then when the opportunity comes for a big jump. Hopefully, I recognize it and, and accept it and take it. Mm. Uh, and then next thing you know, wow, I've, I've actually started to achieve these things. Right. And, and then it becomes like a, a self-fulfilling prophecy because now you're buoyed by that, that, that rise in morale. Hmm. So. No, that's cool. Yeah. I, I think you're right. I think you're right. I think when you take the initiative and you start rolling like through a campaign or for me, like I'm a filmmaker, start taking on the challenge of starting a new film, whatever it is, starting a new business. As soon as you start and start rolling, energy attracts and things can fall into place. I'm not, I don't know if it's karma or whatever, but like you say, it's like you just, you start checking those boxes. Yeah, it feels like things just kind of happen, happen in the order and in the timing they're supposed to happen. Mm-hmm. Right? So not to say that the, not to say that there's, you know, fate, but it just seems like, yeah, everything falls into place right when it's supposed to. And, yes. and, and then you just keep, keep moving on. That, that sounds to me, that's something like when you're living, I don't want to say your best life, but when you're living as close to who you could be or who you are as possible, when things just happen, not for a reason, but when they happen and you just, you're right there and ready, you know, there's no resistance. You just move into that. Sure. Some people say, oh, you're lucky. And other people say, well, no, you're creating your luck by taking the actions yep. and, and keeping the mentality that so when that when that op- when that opportunity comes along mm-hmm. you're able to just say yes to it and recognize it uh, a number of times in business an opportunity will come along and I'll go I can't say yes to that because yes it might be if it goes off it might be the best thing that ever happened right but if it fails I don't have enough of a cushion mm-hmm to stop myself from going bankrupt. So right. yes, that's amazing. I don't have a doorstop if this goes wrong. Right now, does so, not having that safety net make your, make you what almost like you're the adrenaline's up, you know, you're acting almost better. You know what I mean? You're, you're, you're more aware. You're more, there's risks, there's consequences. Uh, I definitely think that the, when you're, when there is no safety net, it's, it's, it's now or never. Mm-hmm. Um, Definitely, there's a heightened focus, which might make you more effective. But when it comes to decision making, what I found is that when it comes to me, um, I can make decisions really fast. Okay. But if other people's livelihoods are at stake, I am all mm. of a sudden very data driven. Uh, well, I've always been data driven, but I mean like obsessively so. Like okay. I need to make sure that I, because if it's just my life. It's my life. If sure. I screw it up, I screw it up. Mm. But if I'm going to impact other people's lives, I need to make sure beyond 99% of a shadow of a doubt that this is going to be the best course of action. Mm. 
um, mm-hmm. because I don't want to put anyone behind, uh, especially when it comes to say like other business owners when they're asking me for advice. Mm-hmm. I don't know your field. I don't know if what I do is going to or how I do things is going to work for you. Mm-hmm. You've been on a course that you you know you set a goal. You've been working towards it. You've set a course. I don't want to give you the wrong advice that's going to take you off that course and then put you further behind than where you could have been if you just stayed true. Right. Because I don't know enough about your system. I don't know our systems and, and demographics and uh, your, your field. Right. So, so I've had, I've had landscapers ask me like, Oh, well um, you know, we, we would like your help in managing the business. Right. We'd like, cause, cause you're successful. We'd like you to do this. I'm like, I can't take your money. I don't want to, I don't want you to pay me and I don't want to give you advice. I'm sorry. I don't know anything about your field, right? You should find a business coach that has proper training. So even though they might not know your field, Mm. they know enough theory that they can shape it to benefit you. Sure. Sure. And I I imagine selling paint is a lot different than landscaping. You know what? Surprisingly it is. (laughs) But I was thinking the other day, I think most advice is bad advice because it comes, like you were saying, only from your, we have to realize that if someone comes to me looking for advice, it's like, I think they're really just looking for somebody to solve their problem, you know, but whatever I could say is really almost not even that useful if I don't fully understand the problem. And, and that's where, you know, talking to people who are frontline matters because Mm -hmm. they see the problem, they understand the problem. And also say you're brainstorming, they might look at like, so you look at a problem from a certain perspective and you're wondering why you're not getting anywhere. And then someone who has, you know, fresh eyes comes in, looks at it from a completely different angle, goes, why don't you try this? And then you shift to their point of view and you go, Oh, well, why couldn't I see it? Well, Cause you were so, you were so close. You needed to back out more. Sure. Cause you were so invested. You needed to back out more to see, right. Oh, that's the wrong path that's the right path. Hmm. Now is, so is that kind of what intrigues you about politics is that it is like high level problem solving or problem solving at scale or, or. Yeah. I mean, like I said, everyone wants the same stuff, right? They want mm-hmm. their, their families to be successful. They want food in their bellies. They want a roof over the head. They just, they want to, I want people to be as successful as they want to be. So mm-hmm. not everyone's going to be a millionaire, hmm. but that's fine. Are you happy? Then, uh, by the way, have you ever heard of uh, Gary Vaynerchuk? Yep, yep, I've heard of him. So, so it took me a while to kind of, uh, you know, get out of my own head and realize that this guy knows some stuff and I should listen. For sure. But he he really killed it when he said, "If you're happy, you've won," because <sighs> you're happy, and there's a lot of people out there that aren't. So, sure. so I'm like, okay, well, what can I do to to help people be as successful and as happy as they want to be? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So uh, it's a lot of problem solving, like you said, yeah. and, and high level. And and so long as you ask yourself two questions, I don't think you'll ever fail. Which is, who benefits? So if if you go, who benefits from this decision we're about to make? Oh, only twenty percent of the people. Okay, can we rethink our plan, or should we scrap it completely because that's not good enough? We need to benefit the largest percentage possible in order to justify spending public funds. Mm. And the second question is, do we need to do something? Hmm. So are we solving a problem that doesn't really exist? Hmm. Okay, let's not spend money on that because it's not a problem right now. This is our problem right now. Hmm. Ask yourself those two questions, even in business, and I don't think you'll ever err. And so you 
you would obviously ask yourself those that question every day if you were in city council, right? And the different issues come across. I ask I ask myself that question every day in business, right? If if uh, we are going to change a policy or platform in the stores, mm-hmm. who benefits? Is it actually is it actually changing anything for the customer or the staff? And if we want to, um, you know, oh, should we should we change our top-down perspective or bottom-up perspective, or should we invest money in these programs or these uh, product lines? Well, are they really solving? Are they are they really in demand? Are they solving a problem our customers have? No, mm-hmm. then let's not spend money on them. So, same thing with yeah, the city, with right? Like, mm-hmm. like two point seven billion dollars for the Valley Line West. Yep. Or because that line is going to travel at the same. And I believe, by the way, let's let's do a big callback. I think Sarah, I do believe Sarah voted for uh, the LRT funding, or okay. she was in. She's in favor of expanding the LRT. Yeah. And I do believe in light rail. It's mm-hmm. just that Edmonton is famous for getting it wrong. <laughs> and okay, sure. Yeah, no, no, I, I'll, I'll, show, I'll, show, I'll share a story with you. In 2015, mm-hmm. I, uh, my friend that said, hey, we should get, I should, I'm running for politics, mm-hmm. and gave me the kick. We both went to another friend who was in Melbourne in Australia. Okay. We, went there, we went there for his wedding. Cool. And so Australia has an amazing heavy rail to light rail system hmm. to bus transit. It's all connected. It's all seamless. Hmm. And we get there, and, and this lady and this gentleman who are helping people get onto the right train, I go, hey, look, I'm not from around here, but mm-hmm. I got to say, you have an amazing light rail system. Mm-hmm. And she goes, oh, I can tell you're not from around here because you like it. <laughs> she goes, most people here hate it. They think it could be better. Huh. I said, oh, I'm from Edmonton. She goes, oh, we know about you. Oh, no. What do you mean? We know that you're not how to do LRT. We read the news articles about no. you. Yeah. Oh. We're world famous for the wrong reasons. Yeah. What did we get wrong about LR? What did we get wrong about light rail? So let's use Calgary as an example. The light rail system is above ground, and it and it works seamlessly with their with their road system. Hmm. Edmonton is trying to force it to work. Right. The way the road system and the streets were designed were not with LRT in mind, and we can't really do the SkyTrain like in Vancouver. Because we're already above ground and or ground level and below ground level, to add a, a SkyTrain system would just be—I don't know if it'd be more or less expensive, but frankly, it should have all been one way or the other. Right. And by by mixing and matching, I think it causes issues. Oh, is that why we screwed up, or is that part maybe, of the screw up? That might be part of the that might level? be part of the screw up. You, you 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 if you if you were above ground, it would be cheaper than going below ground. For obvious reasons, you're not doing any reinforcements, uh, excavation. Mm-hmm. But we could have planned in advance where the routes were going to take so that we could make sure certain developments weren't happening, that we could buy, the city could buy up those properties to, to make things you know, work seamlessly, and that we could, we could have maybe used, like, say, let's look at the, the university area. So you got Fox Drive. Well. Yeah. Is there a way that you could have you could have made the LRT run from the White or White Ave area, mm-hmm. uh, University area, mm-hmm. go down Fox Drive, mm. go along the White Mud, and now you're in the West End as yeah. opposed to the route that they want to run because you already have a, a lot of that infrastructure, those main roads in there, and you're right. not really interrupting too much. They built a, a giant bus line. Um, yeah, uh, totally. Or, uh, that. Yeah. 
that, mer- yeah, that that merge lane that comes from the that, south gi- that giant merge lane bridge yeah. for the bus. Yeah. Why did you so do different. that? For the, why didn't you turn that into the LRT instead? Right. And so, but instead, they want to do what? Come down Jasper Ave and then come down 100. Is it 42nd? I think it's 156. 56, and then Metal Arc, and then 87th, and then go over 170th. It's it's a nightmare. It is. Yeah, it and is. and so, like I said, I'm a fan of LRT because it's rapid transit and it's cost effective if you get enough ridership. If it's not convenient, though, mm-hmm. no one's going to want to use it because you're not getting to the places you need to go with it. Um, so, I mean, you can make it free, but if it doesn't get you where you want to go, no one's going to take it. Right. Right. Anyway, it, so I think, and I think everyone could probably argue like what they should have done, what we should have done differently and, and where the issues were. Um, but again, it's, it's like who benefits, like, should we have done this? Who benefits? What are we trying to achieve? I guess we should throw a third question in. What are we trying to achieve? Um, and, and if the answer was have people really upset with the flow of traffic, uh, rising transit costs and, and not efficient transit, mm-hmm. then we succeeded. <laughs> if that was our goal. Right. Yeah, sure. Oh, yeah. Well, we did something. Yeah. That's hilarious that we're known around. We're known as far as Australia that we now did we do we get the, do we get it wrong starting with the with what's going on now, the valley line like is our is that north south line? That's pretty it's all underground mostly. Well, it's mostly underground, um, but I think the fact that we we only served University to Clairview, right? right. We we only went we, we only went one way, and I, I think the issue is that it's it's we went above, we went below ground, and and we only we only really planned one track, and we thought the city's only gonna like maybe it'll only develop this way. I I don't know because I didn't see, no one's I don't think anyone's really seen the full plans. Mm-hmm. I think the reason why we're known how not to do it is because there's a lot of starting and stopping and no clear vision of what we want to achieve with it. Uh, and we, and it's fair because we don't know which way the city's going to build. Um, you know, when, when the uh, Granville, Glastonbury, uh, Hamptons, you know, everything on the uh, west side of the mm-hmm. Henday, yep. you know, we've been developing southward from there. Mm. So this, the city, the city was kind of building Sure. West for a while and then stopped and then just went straight south. <laughs> so I know businesses that were in the west area by Stony Plain Road where they thought that construction was going to continue going west, mm-hmm. that they they had an opportunity to succeed. Mm-hmm. And then when it stopped, it's like, okay, well, there's no future customer base here. So mm-hmm. we missed we missed out. We shouldn't have been here. And I'm sure a number of councillors, I don't know if you've spoken to just the councillors uh, or candidates, I should say, running for Ward 7. Yeah, I have. Um, just you and oh, Heidi okay. so far. Fair enough. Well, I I play softball on Sundays. Okay. I, I drive to the north side um, to see, because that's where some of the parks are. Yeah. And man, like, talk about misdevelopment. Talk about mm. no investment. The, the roads are in poor shape. Um it's not my ward, but I'm certainly offended by it. Have you ever been to Have you ever been to Gold Bar Park? Oh man, maybe next to the water treatment plant. Gold Bar, like, is that way north? Down on 50th Street. Down, you go okay, all the way no. down. No, just but yeah, never okay, really so been there. Go, oh well, uh, we played at Gold Bar School. Okay, and you so, but one of my one of my teammates is like, oh yeah, I think it's Gold Bar Park. So I I Google Map Gold Bar, Bar Park and I mm-hmm. follow it. And I go, this does not seem like where I'm supposed to be. Right. And then I get out of my truck and I go, 
what is that smell? And I see people outside and, you know, they're with their families. I'm like, this smells awful. Okay. And I look over and there's a sewage treatment plant. So go enjoy the outdoors and smell a sewer. And so I don't know who thought of that to put one next to the other. No. But are you kidding me with that? Are you kidding me? So, so uh, one of my platform points in, is on protecting green spaces. No mm-hmm. major industrial construction in green spaces. Mm-hmm. I'm all good. I'm all good with amenities and things that increase access, just not big commercial industrial construction. And and sure. the the water treatment plant, the Gold Bar water treatment plant, would have been a good example of we shouldn't do that. Or <laughs> if the park was if the park existed, we shouldn't put it there. Right. And if and if the treatment plant existed, we shouldn't put a park there. Right. Right. Because the whole point of green spaces is for families to get out, enjoy nature, mm-hmm. have some time off, not stink up the joint. Right. Yeah, exactly. Not be forced to party yeah. next to their own shit. So to exactly. Speak. Yeah. So, yeah. Well, I'm glad you said it because I was trying to self-censor. But, <laughs> yeah, well, good for and you. <laughs> so that's not, you know, that's not my ward, but I sure. drive that area and I go, this is unacceptable. Mm-hmm. Like, how are people, how are people just living with this why why does no one else know about this? right well it's the first i've really heard that it's that bad this is news to I me i mean it might it, i mean some people you know they're like oh well it's not so bad some days oh. like it should be not bad all days Ever. Yeah. <laughs> right yeah you're not the first person to say to me that the north end is in some ways neglected oh i i mean growing up the north end always because again the construction one direction and right. then another and right. so there's so maybe I'm going to propose a, a, a scenario, and you tell me if I'm out to lunch. Sure. So an area is not getting development. There's no investment, right. either from the city or developers, private business, et cetera. Okay. So it's left to rot. It's left to decay. Mm-hmm. And so people stop caring. People mm-hmm. lose hope. Well, if you have that, then it, it, it too becomes a self-fulfilling prophecy, right? People, pe- I remember growing up, people would always joke about the north side being, you know, a little rougher, right. not, not, not exactly the nice part of town. And I have to ask myself, well, why is that the case? Right now, now as an adult, I ask myself, well, why is that the case? Why did that happen? Mm-hmm. And, oh, just a lack of investment, mm-hmm. right? A, a lack of community driven projects and everything goes south, west, east it avoids that area. So hmm. if we were to invest more in those areas, in the North, if we were to help read like, uh, um, I don't know if you've seen the plans for the, what they want to do to the expos or around the expo center in the Northlands area. Oh, like condos and shopping, like, like a-, a single family, multifamily housing, okay. businesses, shopping cafes, and it uses the LRT system as opposed to a giant eyesore. Sure. I'm in favor of that kind of development. Sounds like a good call if they can do it right. If they can do it right, and it doesn't turn into Blatchford. What's wrong with Blatchford? Is that where the airport was? That's where the municipal airport was. And apparently seven years later, things are starting to move. But Oh, they haven't done anything yet. Well. Or not much. Not much. Not not what people thought and not in the span of time they thought it would take. So, uh, yeah. grand idea, mm-hmm. poor execution, kind of seems like a consistent story. Right. And can you put, could you put your finger on why that's kind of the spirit of Edmonton's <laughs> development story? Is it just, I don't know. Is it, is it that we, uh, our grasp exceeds our reach? 
Like we have these, sure. we have these grand ideas. I mean, maybe, but we don't have we don't have the how. Right. Like we don't. We we don't have an actual cons- concrete plan of steps to take to achieve it. I don't know. No, maybe. I mean, how about, how about the ice district in Rogers Place? I mean, they more or less got that right, although a lot of public money went into that. I uh, yeah, a lot of public money went into something that I, 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 I guess you know I'll, I'll draw my line in the sand on sure. this one. Why a city pays for a multi-million structure for a billionaire? I don't get. Yeah. Well, I know a lot of it was, no, I, I hear that for sure. I know a lot of it was subsidized by the community revitalization levy. I don't remember what that mm-hmm. is, but that's a word that I remember. So, but again, the public still subsidized it. Well, the so the CRL is money that is, so you see on your, on your, uh, your tax statement, right? Your property tax statement, mm-hmm. you see your, your revitalization levy. That money is supposed to go to rows, uh, infrastructure, power lines gotcha. or, or light posts, whatever. It's supposed to go towards uh, a pot of money to improve neighborhoods. Okay. And instead that was used as a slush fund to, to subsidize the, sure. Oh, it's going to create jobs, I guess. But if you ask people, do you want it a big arena or do you want working amenities? Right. Right. And, and the threat, by the way, and this is now, now we're getting down a rabbit hole, but, oh. you know, the threat of, oh, if they don't build this arena, the Oilers will move. Where? Like, what? Now there's, like, <laughs> Seattle, I guess, now. but That was the threat at the time, I remember. That was the threat at the time. And I, I think it's always been the threat from teams, like, oh, we'll move. You're a Canadian franchise that loses and has never won a cup. And it's been a long time <laughs> since you've won a cup. And yet you consistently sell out and you make a ton of money why would you leave? Right. Why would you ever leave? Yeah. Oh, our building, our building's not big enough. Do you still make a ton of money? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Hey, you buy the land, maybe negotiate with something with the city for a favorable tax rate. Cause you're putting up all the money. Mm-hmm. You develop the area, you own those land, those businesses, you're, you're only going to make more money. And then the, the city doesn't have to put up a dime and we're still going to come out and watch your mediocre ways. It's, it's one of those things like, does this really, Hey, how about this? Who benefits? Mm-hmm. Well, uh, the team and the owner and not really the city. So I, I know it's, it's a hard, it's a hard br- gap to bridge to say that the city benefits broadly from that. I mean, I, I hear what you're saying. I you're yeah. f- you feel free, please, to say whatever you want. I, I don't. That's what this is for. And I might be wrong. I'll I'll I might absolutely be wrong, but I can only tell you what I feel and what I see. Right. But again, probably because we can't look behind the curtain. Right. We we right. never. We, we, that's yeah. interesting you say that because I asked uh, I asked Helene, sorry to keep going back, but just as reference, I when I asked Haladi about how do they choose the LRT route, he's like, well, I have no idea how they. We don't. There's so much. It sounds like the. the citizenry that the population of Edmonton isn't doesn't get to know about the choices being made yeah um and and i don't know why that is i i so when talking you mentioned so let's go back to rio terrace because you mentioned we you know you're you'll probably enjoy it more because it's <laughs> you grew up there so why That's not right. yeah yeah so the people there this is the story they shared so the people there um found out about the changes to bylaw regarding infills were upset about it, mm-hmm. and then there was a town hall right. where Michael Oshry came out and and basically just stood there and got yelled at. But he was like, "No, no, <laughs> nice. you'll like it. It's fine. You're gonna like this." And everyone's like, "No, you should have come and talked to us first. Mm. 
before you did this. And I think that's maybe, I don't know how many times that happens, but I'm like, yeah, I agree with you. If something is going to, neighborhoods, mature neighborhoods deserve the right to determine how they mature. After all, mm. you buy into an area. Sure. You, you should have absolutely every right to say, have a say in what happens and how it changes. Because after all, you bought into the area for a reason. Right. If the city unilaterally makes decisions, that takes away your agency. Interesting. Yeah, that's an interesting thought. You buy into an area and you now have some ownership of the area broadly. Sure. Uh, the, and and that, I think if, if communities had more communication amongst um, their neighbors and, and kind of what they saw, almost like a, like a, not, not like a community organization or like, you know, one one overseer of the community but but that maybe that is something we need to look into is that communities have their organization of two or three people mm. that that uh you know they come to they they bring their concerns to city council city council then arranges with them to hey we're okay fine we're gonna have this is gonna be maybe happening in your area let's mm. have a conversation first let's arrange for a town hall mm. can you let the people know so that way the you're telling the the community organization, they tell the residents, and then there's a lot more inclusivity, a lot more um, conversation happening as opposed to, we're going to do this. You're going to love it. Right, right. That's Now, do you feel then like that's why municipal politics might be a good step for you is that because you could actually personally affect some real change on the way things are done? Yeah, I'm actually glad you mentioned that. So like I said, I've always been interested in politics, but mm-hmm. the problem with federal politics is you're so far removed from the people, you can't actually tell if you're making any tangible changes in their lives. Mm-hmm. Provincial politics, I think it's safe for everyone to say, is very toxic. And, <laughs> Certainly and right not, now it is. Right now it is not something I'd want to jump into. So yeah. municipal, uh, born and raised, I, I, I know the history, I, I know a lot of people, um, and, and I, if there's an issue... I can just I can just get in the truck and drive and talk to people or uh, get them on the phone and talk to them and go, hey, what are your concerns, right? What issues are there? And I get it. Not everyone's going to be political. I've certainly knocked on enough doors where people are like, I don't care. Oh, really? I don't know if I'm going to vote or not. Okay. Thank you for letting me know. Just mm-hmm. going to make a little 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 note on my check sheet that sure. I'm not going to come back here to talk to you because right. you don't care. Right. Apathy. Check. Ap- apathy. Check. Yep. Okay. <laughs> cool. I'm going to go talk to that person and, uh, oh, wow, they do care. Great. Nice. Good. Um, yeah, please. I I was just, that got me thinking about, um, so you do feel like you could, you could personally affect some change on the municipal level. Just you maybe. I mean, you're you're one of 13 voices, right? And, and the, and the key thing to keep in mind is that, you know, if people phone me up and they say, I'm really unhappy with the road construction, I can't go down to the road crews and yell at them to do better. <laughs> I can only craft policy right. and the rules that guide what our departments do. I could go to the city manager and say, hey, I'm getting a lot of f- negative feedback about um, the road crews and road construction. I, I, I can't tell you what to do because mm. that's not my job, but... Could you please look into it? Is there some? Is there, I don't know if it's execution. I don't know if it's planning. I don't know if it's communication. I don't know where the dis, the disconnect is, but but please, could you look into it? Hmm. And that's about the extent of it, because you essentially, yeah, you don't get to. You're not the boss. You don't get to go. Not even the mayor is the boss. You don't right. get to go 
yell at people to you know crack the whip and do better. Um, <laughs> you just have to make sure that the policy you craft um, achieves the things you want it to do, mm. and that ultimately, if if things aren't working out the way that you hope and aren't working out the way you want, okay, well then let's let's address that. Let's look at the policy and mm. find out what's not being followed and what's not working. And is there no oversight? Is there no enforcement? Okay, do we need to not to create more bureaucracy, but do we need to create an office that specifically oversees this so that there is someone holding people's feet to the fire? Sure. Like, hey, you, you need to be, you're out there dealing with the public while you're taking out garbage or while you're doing this. Be professional. Don't be rude. You know, mm. by the way, I've heard those as well, is that really? people, oh, well, I mean, you're dealing with people. Right, you don't get you don't get a choice of who you deal with. No. Um, so there's been some residents that uh, aren't happy with, like the road crews are doing their construction. Um, gentleman comes out to say, "Hey, could you please just keep in mind that, you know, if you don't if you don't level the because the gentleman was an engineer, he's like, if you don't keep the road and the and the sidewalk at a certain distance, hmm. you know, if you just kind of let them flow together, it's going to flood our yards." Hmm. And and he's like, they flipped me off. They swore at me. Wow. And, I, and I'm like, oh well, yeah. You're, I mean, not to, not to dump on tradespeople or or laborers, but hmm. like, I used to run a painting and flood restoration company. Trust me, there's some real special people out there. <laughs> and you just you just got to realize, like, yeah, they're they're out there, and hopefully you you find them, you you employ them. You find out that they're bad or mm -hmm. toxic or they're not professional and you jettison them and you find right the right people mm -hmm. because not everyone's supposed to be in customer service. Right. And, and that's I, for I, sure. <laughs> yeah, that's, that's for sure. And I, and I feel that in, in, in labor, in, in construction, everything. Mm -hmm. Everything you do is a form of customer service. Interesting. You're not meant for it. If if you, you'll know, like your man, your, your, your coworkers should know right away you're not for it because right. – Uh -huh. Yeah, right. Like you can you can teach you can teach knowledge. Mm -hmm. You can't you can't teach attitude. No, that oh that's a great point. Yeah, you definitely can't. It, all that gets me thinking about it's it's like I've been toying this idea around that maybe society as it is right now, big metropolitan areas have gotten to the point where they're too big to be. I mean, we we always know the old thing. You cannot please all of the people all the time. There's always going to be mm -hmm. dissent. There's always going to be inequity. But do you think maybe as a as a race humans have gotten to this configuration where we're living in these ways that are it's unsustainable and obviously because we can now go here if you want inequality we see it income inequality inequality in quality of life for instance are we are we getting too big for our britches so to speak our, our living quarters <laughs> you know what i'm saying i was wondering how you're going to finish that off yeah, i'm me like, too. probably going to say britches <laughs> yeah. um that's a really good point there's been a lot of I've, there's been a lot of talk, and I, I, I've seen some or read some theorists that say that once we go beyond a village or a hamlet, mm. like once we go beyond that size, we start to introduce so many problems, and and we become very disconnected from each other. Mm. And I think that's that's part of the issue is that we don't have those 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 community connections, mm. right? Like growing up, I knew my neighbors. Sure. Um, And I played in the street because it was safe and because we were all looking out for each other. Mm. And then as I got older and as time changed and I think people's priorities changed or maybe there was a, a, a change in, 
in civil discourse. Uh, seems like there's a lot more yelling at each other than sure. actual conversations. Solution. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, a lot of people telling each other why things won't work as opposed to how can we make it work? Right. That, yeah, there might be something to it, but maybe the solution is that districts, so like, uh, you know, Edmonton, or I should, let's look at Ward 7. I, I wish I had the map with me, but it's like there's 20 plus districts, right? Hmm. Uh, um, 20 plus communities. If if everyone knew each other in the community and took time to talk and share their concerns, hmm. then you have miniature villages in each ward, and then you have you'd have representatives from those villages, so to speak, meet and 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 talk with the councilor and and mm. and, and so um, you would essentially just go from from you know small village per per community and then another village the heads of said community or the sure. appointed the appointed heads of said community and then and then city council so that we're more connected to each other that's that's you know what let's let's do a huge callback all the way to the beginning sure that's why i'm not a fan of social media because there's no real human connection Interesting. Right. I like and so, yeah. yeah, it's, it's just, I found that the thing that works the most is, is being in front of people, talking to people. And as for my business, um, you know, I'm fortunate. I, I built the business up to the point where I have managers and staff in all three stores. But nice. if there's a concern, I personally go out to the person's house. I look, I, I, as best as I'm able to, because of course schedule is what it is. Yeah. But I, I, I come out, I look at the issue, I sit down and I talk with people about, you know, how to solve it. Um, hmm. What should have been done differently. There's not much, there's a lot of crosstalk when it comes to the paint industry. There's a lot of okay. propaganda out there. There's also oh. a lot of bad habits that people have. So I, oh. having, you know, been a painter, I take the time to teach people how to paint um, as well, because, you know, whenever people tell you, oh, well, this product isn't acting the right way. Well, ma'am, it's a, it's, a, it's an inanimate object. It doesn't right. act any way other than how it's formulated to. <laughs> Let's look at your technique. Right. Oh, you're pushing too much. You're using the wrong tools. Um, and, and so here's how to do it a different way that will work. And, you know, we also have to keep in mind, you know, from in our, in our world, mm -hmm. you watch mm -hmm. someone work and it's like, okay, your, your biomechanics are different. Um, mm. Not everyone's the same size, not everyone's the same musculature. So, mm -hmm. hey, use this technique instead. Oh, it's working really well. Good. That's what we wanted to hear. Interesting. Operator. There's operator error is a big, big part of the <laughs> issue. Nine times out of 10, it is. Hmm. Um, because, and the other thing is, is vocabulary. People will say, oh, oh well, yeah. my wall, my, I've got flashing on my walls. Oh, Okay. Let me come out and look at it. Mm -hmm. Flashing on the walls is when you put some drywall compound or you patch your walls. You okay. don't sand it smooth enough. Oh. And so now now it absorbs different. And you didn't prime it or spot prime it. So now the paint, when the light hits it, um, it's absorbed uh. differently. So it has texture. So it reflects light differently. Uh. That's flashing. What they were complaining about was streaks on their walls in their shower or in their bathroom. And those streaks are just glycol, um, essentially soap. So oh. just take a wet rag and clean them <laughs> off the wall. Oh, well, why is that? Well, because coatings have been moving to zero VOC and being more environmentally friendly. They've had to find out different chemical components to uh, meet performance sure. as well as 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 well as emission standards. Mm -hmm. And so it's the type of glycol that they use as a base. And so it's just so. Huh. But probably you... want to turn on your fan a bit. Right. Yeah. Yeah. Maybe yeah. get some airflow in there. 
yeah. You're making a great point though in another way because it is like, I love what you're saying about maybe breaking down the wards further into like districts and having these sort of group tribe almost meetings. But you're also talking about all being informed and all being able to speak the same language. And all. I, I, this actually was, I wanted to ask you this first and now I'm going to, closer to the end, but is there a problem with informing people about the issues again at scale here? Like, I think, yeah, that's the question. You know what? Yes. Yes. I think there is because okay. obviously things happen. Well, how many, how many things have we talked about here where you didn't know about them? Oh, probably all of them. I was pretending. Yeah. Fair enough. Well, <laughs> but there's yeah, a lot of half. And there's, sure. there's, and there's, and there's stuff where, you know, like you said, like, Hey, did you see what's on Twitter? Mm. Um, no, uh, predominantly cause I'm not on Twitter, but right. uh, so let's, let's not to dump on Sarah. Cause I'm sure she's a very nice lady, but uh, I know she was asked about, could you please tell us what it is you vote for? And her response was, we vote for so many different things, it'd just be a lot of work. What a cop-out. And I call bullshit. Yeah. You have office staff. You're in the meeting. You can take notes. So, you know, docket number, and then how you voted. Mm-hmm. And then you get your office assistant or your office staff to put something on your website or on if the city has a website for it, I don't know the infrastructure that they built for this, but right. then you, you have a capacity to go, Hey, here's what, it, here's the doc. Here's what the policy was. Here's the thing. Here's what it, click this link. Here's what it's about. So you can read it in greater detail and bore yourself to tears. <laughs> but if you want to be informed, you can. here's the access to it. And then here's how I voted on it. Now, the great thing about that is one, the citizens are more informed mm-hmm. and two, you know, if I set myself up as my platform and my, my, my central driving core mission is improving quality of life, if I can't defend my decisions, sure. Based on that. I'm sure as heck not getting reelected. Right. Right. And, and, and I will lose the faith of, of the people of my ward. Mm. So this way, uh, it compels me, or it should, it should compel all counselors to properly to vote the way they said they were going to vote to do what they say they were going to do uh to be not only transparent but but also i guess in a way honorable you Hmm. said you were going to do this Mm -hmm. we can see you didn't do this we now don't trust you right or at least explain yourself or you better be able to defend your position so hey great okay well yes normally this is how i would vote on it but these details and these issues mm-hmm. caused me to vote it this way because otherwise, you know, it wouldn't work. Uh, the cost would be too much. It needs rethinking. Oh, okay. Well, I can agree with that. Right. Perfect. Right. And maybe, maybe you cut that conversation off by including why you've in a little blurb, like why you voted for it mm-hmm. and what specifically. And then if the citizens of your ward want to go into deeper, a deeper dive, well, sure. they can do that. But I firm and I've mentioned this on the campaign trail, but I firmly believe it. Uh, the people of the city are both customer and employer. Mm. They they deserve they deserve to know that every dollar being spent is being spent effectively and and as yeah. tightly as we possibly can. Uh, by the way, did you know the city is at fifty four percent of its debt ceiling? Oh, really? Yeah. So the the the, the, the is that considered high? Must well, be. there's there's smaller municipalities that are at zero. Okay. So. <laughs> So, I, I mean, I would consider any amount high because yeah. ask yourself, is the city improving? Are we seeing anything of benefit? 
it's not wrong for the city to borrow money because the city gets a really good interest rate mm. until, you know, inevitable inflation, it doesn't get a good interest rate. But you want to borrow that money beyond what your taxes raise if mm. it's going to actually create infrastructure or something that, that benefits the people, right? Sure. We'll borrow this money. We're going to take some years to pay it off. But hey, everything's better now and you can you can directly feel that it's better yeah but i don't think anyone can really point to anything in the city and say we're really happy that this happened or we feel like things have improved <laughs> so 54 percent debt ceiling like or 54 percent of our debt right. that we borrowed against the city like yeah 54 okay that's For what that's a lot of money especially when you consider that our, our yearly budget is uh around four billion dollars okay that's good to know well what what couldn't we have a four billion billion with a b that's a lot of money um could we have spent it a little bit better i i'm sure you've already heard about the the whole garbage collection and edmonton versus calgary and edmonton pays more i don't know who negotiated the contract i don't know how that contract oh, was negotiated I saw but it's on your site yeah yeah but that's again we don't know how things are we we only see the end result we mm -hmm. don't know how things were happening but that's one of those examples of like core services, right? Like, so my second platform point on my flyers and mm -hmm. is efficient and effective delivery of core services, which is garbage, transit, roads, and lawn maintenance. Okay. They're not sexy, but if you do them right, everyone's happy. Yes. And maybe, maybe if everyone, if all, if everyone in the city, both employees and council, all the way up to the top to bottom, bottom to top, if everyone was doing their jobs well then you'd know, you'd know that because no one would be unhappy, right? The regular citizenry wouldn't be, wouldn't be disenfranchised. They wouldn't be unhappy. They wouldn't be frustrated. If you do your job well, no one knows you did anything at all. Right, but I can then look around and feel like I'm being looked after or I'm in a place that's being maintained. Yes, and that's so, true. Okay. But you, you're right. You, you would see the results of mm -hmm. all that mm -hmm. and you'd, you'd, you'd feel some pride. You'd feel happy. Sure. You'd be like, yeah, this is a really nice place. But what I mean is people rarely remember the, like, the good things that happen to them. They always remember the sure. negative things mm -hmm. because of the negative things kick us out of our, our day. They kick us right. out of our stride. So what I'm saying is if you went around, if you went through your day with as minimal impact or frustrations as possible, <laughs> you'd be like, what are those guys down at city council doing? Oh, they set it up so we could knock it out of the park right. and everything runs smoothly. Oh, okay. Good job. <laughs> That's the, now, do you think that everybody like you, who is a first time runner, first time candidate uh, goes in with this kind of, I'm not going to say it, you're not naive, but you're very optimistic and you're very, you're very like, you're applying a real logic and a real rationality to this, that then when you get into the shit, is it like, Oh, you know, like everybody, I don't know shit about politics, but everybody had big high hopes for Obama, Barack Obama. And of course, he wasn't able to execute on everything he said he would because there's so many mechanisms at, at play and forces, right? The CIA and, and whatever else. Oh, sure, sure. I, I, I think that, you know, you go into it with optimism right. and, and idealism and then you realize the soul-crushing grind of bureaucracy and you're like, <laughs> okay. I don't know how I'm going to affect change. Um, I think you got to keep that, that kind of energy, that kind of optimism going mm -hmm. because, mm -hmm. because if you get, if you're like, Oh, I'm going to make some change and you realize like, Oh, I'm going to make incremental change. 
you can still make change, mm. right? Mm -hmm. uh, progress is progress, no matter how small. So you just got to keep that in mind. You don't get crushed down by it. Um, maybe you're not going to solve all the world's problems, but can you tackle certain things? I, I know we haven't talked about it yet, but uh, homelessness uh, in the city is a big thing. And, and mm -hmm. we can see its effects everywhere. Tent cities in the river valley, tent cities throughout the city. Um, and I, I would say anecdotally seeing the evidence of that, we're not doing enough to really resolve or fix anything, but we can't let ourselves get beat up. We can't let ourselves get too down on it. Just go, okay, but what we're doing isn't really working right now. Right. So uh, we surround ourselves with too many people saying, well, here's why it's not going to work. Mm -hmm. Well, okay, let's go back. Tell me, tell me how it could work, right? Like how can we make this work or do we need to rethink our plan and don't, don't come at it from a, a, a negative combative direction, right? Because that then welcome to provincial politics. It's, <laughs> sure. it's just, it's just, this is your fault and you made this mistake. Hey, you know what? Right. You're right. I operated on the best information I had. It was a mistake. How do we fix this? And then if, if you like, you know, cause people are going to be upset. So let them vent. Let them let them make their let them be heard sure. and listened to. Uh, that's another thing is whenever uh, you know I'm not going to be one of these politics say or politicians. It's time for you to be heard. No, it's time for us to listen. Uh, right, actively yeah, listening. It's a different because yeah, sure. I can have TV playing in the background right while I'm working on some paperwork. I'm hearing the TV, but I'm not listening. So it's you know time for listening, and sure, it's sure. time to also realize like, hey, you know what? I made a mistake or Yes, this person made a mistake. We're human. Mm -hmm. Let's fix it, and and let's work together to fix it. And let's be proud of our city. And let's 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 try to help those people that have been falling through the cracks, because the problem got bigger and bigger and bigger and bigger, mm -hmm. and everyone got really frustrated with trying to deal with it, and they're not really sure how to deal with it. Mm. So I'm going to steal a line from a friend of mine, which is, "How do you eat an elephant, Patrick?" One bite at a time. One bite at a time. <laughs> uh, there you go. Now, I'm glad you brought up the homelessness thing because we should go there before we... I thought you were going to mention the elephant thing. Oh, no. Okay. Well, the elephant thing too. Oh, well, no, I, I leave the elephant alone again for personal reasons. I have... The elephant at the zoo is is fine by me where, where she's at. Uh, <laughs> um, okay. I noticed that one, my question was what came to mind when I was on your website, you mentioned, uh, something about mental health care for all or making mental health care more accessible. Are you sure. in favor of, and are you in favor of subsidizing that or making, or, or how do you do that? How do you make mental health care available oh. for all? Okay. So the first thing you have to realize is that not everyone's going to want treatment and mm -hmm. you can't force people into treatment. So for that's because sure. when, when we talk about subsidizing health care or, or creating social programs, mm -hmm. the first thing that people think of is like, well, that's going to cost money. And well, what's the point? They're not going to use it. Okay, sure. Negative stereotypes, negative experiences. Let's just put that aside. Mm. Um, so again, elephant, bite mm -hmm. at a time. Mm -hmm. So we have to define, we have to, it, we have to, it's such a big complex issue. We have to break it down into smaller parts. So, okay. you know, what groups of homelessness are there? Oh, there's mental health, there's addiction issues, and then there's financial hardship. Mm -hmm. Okay. Well, financial hardship is pretty easy to deal with because they just had some bad luck. So let's, let's get, help them get their feet under them. Let's mm -hmm. rehouse them. Let's, 
let's come up with some kind of system that everyone can agree on majority can agree on is uh, going to work mm-hmm. and then these sure. people regain some dignity and some hope and and they they can then become you know i i a quote unquote a a uh, prosperous member of society it's mm-hmm. like no we just we just want to make them as happy and successful as as they want to be but yeah. they're on their they're standing on their own two feet and they've regained some pride mm-hmm. and then when we look at mental health issues we have to realize that you know first off it's identifying what the issue is you know is it schizophrenia is it bipolar is it you know what is it specifically Mm -hmm. because the treatment's going to be different and then we have to make sure that people stick to it Uh. so it's kind of like you know a diet or exercise or anything once you start and once you're um able to once you get some support Mm -hmm. it's easier to to stick with it and keep up with it Mm -hmm. um same with uh, I would I would argue the same with the you know drug addiction issues is why is it people become addicted to substances? Generally, it's because sometimes of you know unresolved mental health issues, so they self medicate, yep. um, or they find themselves on hard financial times or incredibly stressed. There's no support system. There's no one to talk to, so they numb the pain. Mm-hmm. And the problem with that is that it's easy. And it feels like it works because it's like a placebo, right? Sure. It's not actually working, but you think it works, so you you keep doing it. And now we're now we're reinforcing negative behavior. Yeah. So we need to we need to reinforce positive behavior. We need to we need to let people know that they're not forgotten. We need to let them know they will be heard. That that there is some kind of light at the end of the tunnel. Mm-hmm. Now that's all grand ideas mm-hmm. should it let's go back to your question though should it be subsidized by the city i think that the city and the province have a part to play i think that money some money from the city and from the province needs to be needs to be apportioned to helping resolve these issues and and get getting people the treatment they need and it's an investment that's worth it because yeah. if you take people who are currently you know dependent on the system for survival you 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 get them their dignity and their hope back, which there can't be enough said about the effect that has on people mm-hmm. and and just the light it brings to them. Um, I, as a small business owner, I can definitely say there was one time where I was up at three in the morning with anxiety. Just I thought I might have lost everything. I thought I'd made bad decisions, mm-hmm. and there was no one I could talk to because mm-hmm. I was just trapped in my own my own head. Mm-hmm. And then and then luckily things turned around and and you know, opportunities arose and, oh, thank God I can pay myself again. Sure. So with that, mm-hmm. not to, not to lose, you no, know, sight of the target. Um, I think that's, I think we, we need to realize that investing in people in, in getting them healthy and, and helping them through their demons and, and getting them back on track. Uh, that's a worthwhile investment because mm-hmm. then they're able to look after themselves they're they're able to contribute something again they're working they're they're providing a service no matter what it is yeah. right like people people dump on burger flippers or tradespeople like welders or plumbers right. everyone contributes something to society in some way so you should never make fun of someone's job because they're doing something you need so so like hey i i had a university degree and i took a part-time job you know, slinging paint. Yep. <laughs> I had, I didn't, I didn't care. I had bills to pay. 
and in the end i found i found a career that that was fulfilling i got to i got to help people which which i enjoyed great so you know help people find the same thing right the, mm. they'll they'll find the thing that inspires them that they want to they want to do and then this is now like the rational logic cold heartless side of it <laughs> now that they've got their life back in order they've got jobs they've got homes now they're paying property taxes which maybe means there's more people paying into the pot yeah less less people taking from the pot to you know survive maybe we could lower taxes hmm I don't know. No, but that's logical. And I think there's something to that where it's like, if, why wouldn't you want to uplift everybody? Even if you were a cold hearted, ruthless capitalist, there's more people to exploit for the labor force. (laughs) Hey, I like the way you think, (laughs) but, but I mean, that's the thing, right? Like you, you frame, maybe maybe that's how we get a lot more people on board is you frame the question or the issue in the right way for Mm -hmm. them to understand it in their, their language and their terms. Mm -hmm. And they go, yeah, I'm in favor of that. Okay, good. Because mm-hmm. before you just saw it as money going out the door to help you know people that you didn't think were worth it. But then right. when you realize, oh no, you know from the cold rational perspective of oh they're actually going to be able to to contribute into the pot and and not be not be taking out of the system. Mm-hmm. Well, that's a that's a net gain all around. And then from the humanist perspective, you treat people like they're people, right? At the base level. Yes. And it would be something like we, we want to call ourselves the city of champions. Well, why not? Why not have more champions? You know? Well, yeah, we're the city of champions. Well, I guess it making bad LRT. Oh, right, right. We are championing that around the world. Apparently we won a trophy there, but you're right. <laughs> uh, I mean, it's society is judged by how we treat our most vulnerable. And mm. I think society as a whole across the Western world, actually, Across the world, because mm-hmm. we, 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 we flip through the news articles and we see what's happening in the world. When you forget that you serve the people, mm-hmm. then that's when I think you stop seeing them as people. Oh, so, totally. Yeah. Totally. I mean, duh. But No, but you're right. And people, don't, people lose sight of that. It's very easy to say. Like even uh, we're working a documentary right now. and We went out last Sunday with the Bear Clan, which is a volunteer group that gives uh, to the homeless people, gives them food, water, all that sort of thing. And I was struggling to find the right word. It was like when I interact with a homeless person, street person, uh, addicted, it's like, well, there's just a person. Stop. Yeah. You have to see yeah. them as people. And and even even the language we use, like, oh, right. well, it's a, it's a mental health problem. Ooh, that's a little negative. Mental health issue. Eh, less negative. Mm-hmm. It is an issue that needs a resolution, but... Yeah, even the language you use with with which to describe the situation uh, uh, negatively stigmatizes people. So, but it it needs to have the same the the language needs to be accurate, but at the Mm. same time non discriminatory. Yes, and but also I think with the right amount of of oomph behind it to make people realize, oh yeah, I I should care about this. Like to say it's a problem, like I said, is is it comes with it negative connotations Mm -hmm. whereas to say oh well it's an issue um means oh well it's just it's just a thing to be solved then like we can we can work on this it doesn't have the same you know bad taste in your mouth as problem and and as say someone who's undergoing that uh uh, i or maybe and we should probably not that i'm undergoing i should say as like putting yourself in the mindset of someone who's undergoing that Mm -hmm. you know 
they just want to be traded with dignity. Yeah. Um, maybe, maybe calling them even issue has an issue is an issue, but it's like, Oh, I'm not a problem. Right. Because no. then it becomes combative. Then it becomes, sure. you're, yeah. this is very, this is very important stuff that you're saying. Yeah. How, and it, I'm struggling to find the right word for it because how do you convey the right amount of meaning and encapsulate what you want to say at the same time as respecting the fact that this is a human being you're talking about. Right. Right. How do you do it? It's hard to do it because we use language to just to, to solve problems, the problem of understanding, I guess. Right. So I, you know, okay, I'm not going to call them a crackhead anymore, but they are a drug user, but you know, I, to, to your point, it's like maintain that, that dignity and see them as a person. And there's a person who needs some help to become a champion, mm-hmm. you know, where couldn't have said it any better. Where are you with uh, supervised consumption sites and safe drug supply? Now that's often a provincial issue, but does that what's kind of your philosophy? Because this ties into the homeless and the crime and the mental sure. health. So here's, I guess you know what. Here's the best answer. This is an area that unfortunately I don't have enough information on. Okay. So I would be incredibly data driven. So I'd want to see the numbers. I'd want to see the data. If if the numbers and data bear out that these things are beneficial and work mm-hmm. great because they are moving the needle. They are. And, and I just realized that that like no pun intended or mm-hmm. no joke there, like moving the needle. Sure, uh-huh. sure. <laughs> but, but again, I'm thinking it from like a, from a, um, like a game perspective of, okay. of, you know, or like even, even just imagine like, okay, so we're at zero. We're in the red right now. Right. We want to move that needle to the green, which means th- things are going well. People are succeeding. Right. Every decision we have to make moves that needle this way and not mm. back into the red. And if it does, we have to stop ourselves and go, why? Mm. So if, if supervised consumption sites move the, the arrow, mm-hmm. we'll say, uh, move the arrow into the green, into success, that things sure. are working. Okay, then I, then I guess I'm for it because it's doing the job it's intended. But if the data shows that in fact it is it is not resolving the issue, mm-hmm. then we need to go back to the drawing board and find out why. Okay, great answer. I, I think the data would show, and I'm not. I talked to a gal a few months ago who studies uh, substance abuse uh, at the university in in Victoria, and mm-hmm. that whole sort of school of thought of harm reduction you know, decriminalizing drug use for one thing, giving people a safe place, like giving people some dignity back. It's like, you're addicted to drugs. We can help you at least in your use of these drugs to not make your life that much worse and not make other people's life worse. You know, reducing harm broadly is kind of the first step, not criminalizing it. That's fair. And so again, if the, and I understand there's going to be some people who are probably listening to this or, and, and people in the city who go, well, I don't agree with that. Sure. Hey, I might not agree with it either. It doesn't mean I can't support it because if it does what it, what we want it to do, mm-hmm. I might disagree with, and I think this is missing in civil discourse as well. Yeah. I might disagree with the idea of it, right? But yeah. if it works, right, I can't be upset with that because it's doing what we want it to do. And so therefore, I guess my disagreement is only um, some ingrained sure. you know yeah. bi- bias that i was raised on about how things should be sure but again if real if reality bears out something different all right well then this works and we should keep doing it but let's make sure we're over- we're-, we're constantly double checking our theory and mm-hmm. our-, our our hypothesis to make sure that you know 
we don't miss something or we uh, we change as we need sure. to change, right? Like, oh, we found something that works and then it never changes ever. Well, that's, you're right. That's almost just need, as bad. That's almost as bad, right? Like mm-hmm. if, some, if, if reality changes, well, then your plan needs to change to reflect reality mm-hmm. to ensure that everything is still working appropriately. Well, well said. I appreciate you touching on this stuff, even if it's not always top of mind for you. Well, a lot of people have brought up stuff uh, that, you know, they, what do you think of this? Mm-hmm. I am not equipped to answer that question mm-hmm. because, and I'm not about to, I'm not about to, you know, bullshit you because I can't, I can't speak to that. Uh, a number of organizations, actually, they sent me um, uh, surveys oh, and yeah. like, you know, uh, the Edmonton River Valley, you know, oh. Conservation Coalition. Oh, yeah. Um, voice for animals, like, you know, what do you feel about these? Mm-hmm. And uh, also one, uh, the, oh, uh, the, the, the building association, I forget the acronym, but like, oh, what do you think about the plan for Edmonton? And, and like, oh, uh, the energy transition plan. And I, I did, I did respond and mm-hmm. they'll probably post it soon, but I did respond with, I think the plan is full of a lot of hopes and dreams. <laughs> there's a lot of, here's what we want to do, but there's no how. Ah. Right. There's no there's no concrete steps that really allow us to to we can't execute the plan because it's it's so grandiose. So I think as the plan as it's currently written doesn't have a lot of like road signs to Hmm. get us to the next to actually achieve these things. It's just here's what we want to do and we'll figure it out later. Sounds like a terrible plan. Well, (laughs) I, I don't know. Maybe the people who crafted it. In their heads, sure. they have, they have, um, and I, I think everyone's experienced this at some point. Like you have this great idea, mm-hmm. and you you just you lack the vocabulary or the the appropriate language to convey that thought that right. it's all formed in here, so that someone else can can see it, the vision the same way you do. For sure. So then we get we get we get half realized ideas, and uh, or we play some game of telephone where I tell it to you and you tell it to someone else, and that person's like, "Yeah, we're going to do that," and then I see what you told that person, and I go. Well, that's not how I envisioned it at all. <laughs> right. Right. But you have to be able to, I guess, explain the plan in a way that would make sense to someone who's completely foreign to it from the beginning. Like here's the, here's the problem. Here's the solution. And then here's kind of the path. Yeah. Here's the problem. Through. Here's the steps we're going to take. And then this, so, so, you know, yeah, problem steps we're going to take. And at the bottom, here's the solution. And then so you see the steps that build to the solution. You go, okay, yeah, now I understand it. Right. Because uh, if only because I feel like if you give them problem, solution, and then steps, you lose them. Because ah, they're, because you gave them the solution, they're already thinking of a different solution. But if you, <laughs> if you, guide, them, if you guide them on the path of, well, we're going to take these steps, and mm-hmm. then it's going to, you know, uh, step one, step two, step three is question mark, step four is profit. Mm-hmm. Right, right, that right, old, right, right. That, that old meme. So if you, if you, if you show them, the steps that lead to the solution, they're either with you a hundred percent of the way. Right. Or, or maybe they're like, well, you know what? I don't know. Like I agree with steps two and three, but I don't know about step one, maybe do this. Right. And so it not only gets more buy-in, but it also gives you the, again, those fresh eyes to look at the plan and go, Oh, I didn't think of that. Hmm. That's a much more cost effective way of doing it and would get us closer to our goal sooner. It's almost like a form of storytelling where you, you open the story and then take us on the story. And then like, you don't start the story with the end. I mean, sometimes you do, but generally take me, you know, take me down the journey. Yeah. Let's, let's, let's go through the hero's journey. Sure. 
right? Like we're going to do these things. Then there's going to be some 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 issues we have to resolve. Then there's right. going to be some some self sacrifice, mm-hmm. and then an epiphany, right. and then we made it to where we need to be. Right. I'm cutting a lot of steps out there, but no, that's I mean the hero's journey is all we've got out here in the West. It's like the call to adventure, fighting in the underworld, and coming back to re to uplift your community once you've been once you've become the hero that you ought to be. I suppose I, I, I can tell you're someone who makes movies based on oh, yeah. the, <laughs> the approach you take. I'm right. like, oh, this is this is really good. These are better answers than I came up with. Well, that's all right. I've been working on them, I guess. And you're, I'm just kind of throwing fastballs at you. But oh, well, I have a friend who 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 says that like a lot of these big ideas, political ideas, whatever theories, are often best in people can be best informed through stories. You know. Oh. Um. Yeah, so so this is an adage that I learned a long time ago, and it works really well. Uh, facts tell, stories sell. Facts. Yeah. You, you want to nice. get buy-in? Tell a story. Beautiful. Right? Make it relatable to people so that they can go, yeah, yeah, I, I, I agree with that. I support that. I like that. Mm. I, I, I want that. How do we right. do it? As opposed to, you know telling people incredibly boring and dry facts and statistics right. that people look at it and go, okay, TLDR, I don't care. Exactly. Tell me what to do with, with that information. Yeah. Make it applicable. Put me, yeah. yeah. I wanted to kind of wrap up on something. You, on your site, mentioned flashy capital projects. I think one example might be the, the police campus that was horrendously over budget, maybe. Yeah. So, and I know why that's over budget, but that just comes from, like, there's... <laughs> There should be inspections being done on job sites to make sure that everything's being done according to specification. Mm-hmm. And yeah, that's going to cost a little bit more money to the builder, but mm. and in this case, the city, if you had those inspections all along the way, we wouldn't be over budget. We, there wouldn't be issues we'd need to fix after the fact. We would have been able to catch them before they became issues. Mm. But so, sorry to jump in, but yeah, no, so no, no, no big, no big flashy you know, capital vein legacy capital projects. Um, I guess how, what I mean is like, let's look at the solar farm. Okay. Uh, sure. That might, that might've been a legacy project. Like, Oh, we built this and isn't it great, but is, is it actually going to achieve what we want it to do? And, and isn't it going to be impacting our river Valley? If we're trying to save the environment, mm. damaging, potentially damaging the environment seems like a really backwards way of doing it. Right. Um, the the funicular that they built in the river valley, um, it, it can't you can't use it when it's over thirty degrees because it's not safe. Uh, it does so it, it's too it won't work because it's too hot. It won't work because it's too cold. Oh. and 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 it's according to the people who uh, use it or the few that I talk to in my mm. my travels that have used it, and it breaks down a lot. Right. Okay, well, did, did is that actually achieving the access to the river valley that we wanted it to, right. and. Is it, yeah. it's a, it's a thing we can all, people can point to and say, I had a help in making that. Well, I wouldn't have admitted that. I wouldn't have admitted that. <laughs> it, it doesn't work or, right. or it doesn't work enough. So, mm-hmm. or, or, I mean, we can even look at the, the, the arena, right? Sure. Like, like, oh, well we help keep the Oilers here. We help build this arena. Cool. Didn't realize billionaires needed help, but. Okay, and and what are we getting for it? And and I want the full disclosure. What's the, all the deals you negotiated? What are we getting for it? Um, so when I say like no capity cap no vain capital projects, I just want whatever the city 
does and 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 maybe borrows money if it's not available for Mm -hmm. the projects directly benefit people they directly benefit the communities and there's not this acrimonious attitude towards them right like you look at you look at something and you go that made sense when they did it as opposed to you talk to people throughout the city they're going to point at stuff and say well that doesn't make sense Hmm. and and so is that you know we need more common sense in sure. on city council do we need more of that you know you mentioned my approach being reason and logic mm-hmm. maybe uh and <laughs> i and you can't and i also know sure. you can't please you can't please everyone so how right. about this can you get 70 percent of people in the city happy great that's a huge win yeah. because i think most people would be happy with 51 percent. but if we set it at 70 percent right that's a good number to hit. So I just want to make sure that when the city builds things, when we plan things, the people in the communities that they're supposed to be servicing actually look at them and go, yeah, that was a great thing. We're glad they did it. Hmm. Instead of what seems to be the case of, we're not happy with this bylaw. We're not happy with this project. We don't know why they did this. We don't know why they did that. Things aren't the way they used to be, Mm. which maybe could mean well, there was oversight in offices that made sure that the things we were doing worked. And then if we got rid of them for cost savings, unfortunately, you get rid of that inspection, you get rid of that oversight. Now there's problems and you don't have people that can address them quickly mm. or stop them from becoming problems. Um, and I think people want to make sure that the, the like, like I said, we got a $4 billion budget people want to make sure their tax dollars are being spent in ways that actually improve their lives right instead of just look good for sure do you have a sense that you use the word legacy project like do you have a sense that there's some members of council or the mayor pushes these things to say that you know when i was in town or when i was in charge we we built the solar farm we built the arena we built i don't know the, the, I, the I feel, pile yeah, of silver I, balls by the white mud you know oh the talus balls yeah i feel that <laughs> i i do feel that some of the things that are done are done because it's something that they can point to and say, I was instrumental in, in, in doing that, in, in bringing that to the city. Mm-hmm. But that's the wrong reason to be a leader. That's the wrong reason to be on council, to be, right. quote, in patent. Like, well, what, obviously, we've well, already no. talked about the, the limits of what council <laughs> is able to do. Sure. So to say power. Um, still you know, power. That's the, it's still you're right. It's still power. It's the wrong reason to be in it, mm-hmm. right? It is. It like, is. So so, if if your if your focus is on okay, is this you know we're going to build this big project? Great. Is it something I can point to and say, look what I achieved? Right. Or is it something I can point to and say, look how people are doing better? Right. No, you're absolutely yeah. right. I've heard that old saying that they say power attracts pathology, and I think definitely in larger offices of power. You're right. People go into that for the wrong reasons, to to for personal greed and ego, and maybe even evil. Well, they I, some psychological research has showed that some of the most successful um, CEOs and and managers are sociopaths because they only care about the end result and not about the people. Right. And there might be something about that about power as well and politicians, um, but not me. Not no. me. I'm trying to be a good <laughs> politician. I was thinking but, <laughs> everybody but, but, but you, I think. Well, I, you no, know what? I, I, I think no, no. I think there's a lot of people running for council that they're doing it, and especially with all these like first-time councillors, right? A lot of competition in some areas. Mm-hmm. There's a lot of people that just want to make a difference, sure. and that is that is incredibly laudable. Um, 
And I'm not saying that because I'm one of them. I, I think that mm-hmm. anyone who wants to do it, it's like, great, you care, right? You, you want to try and make a difference. Um, personally, I think, yeah, you run for federal politics. It's because you want to be so far removed from people that you don't actually have to hear them complain. Um, <laughs> sure. And, and I mean, you'd have to be, you, I'd admit, you, if you want to be prime minister, you have to have a pretty big ego that you can do it. Um, That's a good point. But I'd also prefer that, and this is an aside, and I know it's nothing municipal politics can do. I wish we could vote for who would be prime minister as opposed to it's the elected member of the party. Right. That way, if we don't like the prime minister, guess who's not getting in next time? Right. Him. Yeah. Him. Yeah. Wouldn't that be great? Oh, wow. I'm accountable to the people. Right. But, but then, uh, yeah. Rutro. Well, yeah. Rutro is right. But that seems terrible or whatever. It's, it doesn't seem sustainable in some ways or useful when you have 30 million people or 400 million people or a billion people being led, so to speak, by one person based on a popularity contest. Well, isn't that what all, isn't that the whole point though of the current system is that people like remember in 2015 when we had Harper and, and Trudeau and uh, uh, Leighton that, mm. uh, or no, sorry, when did Leighton pass away? 11, I, I should, 2011. 11, I, yeah, I should, because I, I actually, I'll admit, I actually voted for Leighton because the man inspired me. Yeah, he was one of the last few great. Yeah, he was he was an amazing orator. He inspired me. Mm-hmm. But sure. you you look at what happened in the uh, you look at what happened in 2015, where we have this this young, fresh, you know, liberal leader, and right. he's, he's talking about sunny ways, and we're going to make right. change. Sunny ways. And then you have you have <laughs> Harper, who is being framed as like boring and dull and calculating, right. and it's like so so it was a popularity contest people were like oh yeah i want the new shiny thing and oops here we are <laughs> you're right and yeah so i feel it, it, well i mean it's a popularity contest either way but at yeah. least if the people got a say in who the leader was mm-hmm. then they also get to say in who the leader isn't hmm so I yeah, wonder sure. if only that small change would make people care more about Canadian politics. Like, okay, we're going to vote for our MP mm-hmm. and we're going to vote for our leader. Because then, let's say, let's say um, an independent, right? An independent prime minister, he doesn't, he doesn't belong to any party. Mm-hmm. Well, now I'm really going to be an optimist here. <laughs> then that person builds around them a cabinet pulled from every party, mm-hmm. which they would do anyway. Because you know you're, you're why not right you're being you're being elected independently mm-hmm. uh, from the party then you build the can the cabinet of not just who like you know kissed ass the best but <laughs> who who actually has the most you know uh, knowledge and qualifications so it's like mm. oh my god we, we we built a cabinet of people who actually know what they're doing and are qualified right wouldn't that be a good idea wouldn't that be amazing but and so I wonder if like there's a problem here where we we. So, well, no, nah, I'll leave that because it's too unformed. I've been working on some ideas, but I, uh, some of them are best left in the dark for now. Do you, find, do you find that when you talk to people, you go door knocking and like you say, a lot of people's issues or what you were saying is just, I just want to be comfortable. I just want to be free essentially. Like what are, when you, when you door knock, what are you hearing? So in the, re- well, okay. So in the Wolf Willow area, it was, you know, they've had, they've increased access to the river valley, but they didn't think of the number of people that come through. So now we have an increase in garbage. We increase, uh, we have a lot of drug paraphernalia being left behind. Mm. People are incredibly rude. Property, some property is being damaged. 
So they didn't think of what the effect would be on a, on a neighborhood. Um, when Rio Terrace, it was infill bylaws. Right. It was, it was the fact that, you know, we're not being consulted before changes are happening. Um, we're losing agency over how our neighborhoods develop. We bought into it and now it's changing and not in the way that we, the community want. Um, and I've done flyer drops in a couple areas. I'm actually Friday. I'm going to be going and hitting up another area and door knocking, but I'm going to keep that one quiet in case, okay. you know, any of the other candidates want to want to <laughs> beat me to it. But in general, it seems like we just want to be listened to. We, we don't want to just be heard. We want you to listen to us. We want you to consult with us and we want you to at least bring things up to us so that at the very least we can talk about it and all be equally unhappy. Hmm. But at least you gave us the opportunity to hear from us and consult us and not just consult us sure. and then do it anyway, but actually listen. go back to listen to yeah. it, listen to us and go back to council and say, Hey, here's what I'm hearing. Um, these districts in my ward mm -hmm. would like to be exempt from, or they'd like an amendment to the bylaw so that, you know, there is actual community input. So a developer can't just come in and do things. The community can actually shut them down and, mm -hmm. and reserve the right. And sure. Some people might say, well, what about the right of the business owner? And I'd say, well, there's one, or, or there's one developer. There's, you know, 80, 80 right. neighbors, like, majority rules if they don't want it sure don't do you don't get to do it do you do you think that's an issue because that brings me to that issue of the uh those transmission lines that are going up around our ward uh linwood elmwood these gigantic fiberglass poles mm -hmm. uh hamilton essentially motioned to have the extra cost of not burying them or the cost of burying them she motioned to have that covered by taxpayer money that was rejected and EPCOR just did what they wanted or what they were allowed by the AUC to do, which was put these poles up wherever they wanted. I guess mm -hmm. what I'm at, I, I bring that up because is there a, a sense of corporate bodies or, or regulatory bodies just not taking into account quality of life for people? I think so. I mean, I'm a, I'm a big proponent of underground lines um, mm. because then, you know, there's nothing for a drunk driver to hit. Right or or an icy road, so you sure, sure. people aren't gonna, people aren't going to lose power or anything at the worst time. Mm -hmm. uh, if we have a really bad storm, there's no power lines to go down because they're already secure in the ground. And if the conduits are built properly, well, then we can also just and and of a sufficient size. If we've got to run bigger cables through to new developments, mm -hmm. we can we can do so. So, yeah, maybe maybe there's a lot of just some regulatory oversight that wasn't provided. Okay. Um, also, I, I wonder why, why city council would vote against something that seems common sense, like burying, burying power lines and helping offset the cost because you're only improving the city. You're only actually making people's lives better by doing that. Mm -hmm. Right. That's what I wondered too. And I was trying to really understand the issue and it just sounds like in some ways EPCOR was just allowed to do what they wanted by a provincial body, the AUC. Yeah, well, I've also heard some people complain about the fact that EPCOR is kind of a arm's length from the city, right? It's it's a, mm. a private enterprise, but it pays a dividend to the city as opposed to once upon a time it was owned 100% by the city. Interesting. So, and I I mean the genie's out of the bottle, right? I don't think the city can buy EPCOR back or 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 get control of it because once it's arm's reach, right? So um, let's if we'll just 
kick a dead horse and go back to the, sure. the solar farm. So EPCOR is asking for exemptions to certain environmental bylaws. Mm. The problem with that is if we say yes, then the next time they want to do something, we have a harder time saying no because we've already set precedent. Hmm. Yeah, so that makes sense. I think I think that a greater eye to the future is needed mm. to be able to to be able to look at what our decisions are going to impact in the future. Mm. Because yet, if we say yes to this, if someone else comes to us in the future and wants something similar, we don't have a leg to stand on to say no mm. because we let them do it. So. Yeah. Right. It just it sets a precedent, and then they're kind of they're running the show at that point. Right. It's easy. It's easy to say no until you say uh, until you say yes, and once you've said yes, now you have a heart. Now it's a fight to 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 draw a line in the sand, say no, and then justify it. Hmm. So, I mean, you can use that for pretty much any subject, but <laughs> true. Yeah, I don't know. I think I think I think just letting Epcor just do what they wanted to in that regards. Mm-hmm. Um, no one, no one was thinking of the neighborhoods. No, one, uh, it was probably more cost effective. Uh, oh, it was for sure, and that's why they did it, as opposed to, well, this will actually be better for the future, mm. as opposed to right now. Mm. Right on, yeah. Dan. Thanks for all the time that you gave to this, and and for speaking your mind on all these issues. Oh, Patrick, thank you for having me on. Is there anything that you feel maybe we you'd like to get out there before we wrap it up, or anything? people want to get in touch with you or how, you know? Oh, uh, so the best way to get in touch with me is, is through email. Okay. Um, and I will always return emails or even if people want me to talk to them directly, I will always make the time to meet with them. Okay. Um, I think I hopefully have stressed that with my, my position on outreach and, and actually listening to the people. Yeah. And I just hope that anyone who's heard this, they go to my website, they see my platform, they see my bio, they think, Hopefully they think this is a person who actually will listen um, because I care. I legitimately care and I just want to do the best I can. That's what we need more of, man. I wish all politicians would say that. Oh, they do, but (laughs) yeah, here's the problem, right? People can say what they think you want to hear, but in the end their actions will dictate something else. And I just want to show people like, yeah, I have the conviction of my beliefs judge me by my actions beautiful and and so will you if you win will you be transparent on all your votes how you vote 100 percent, 100 percent. like i i i I think i already even told you like i because we have a ward budget which will be you know used to manage the ward so hire Mm. office staff and then during the meeting take notes on you know what we're voting on and and how we're like obviously how we're voting Mm -hmm. and then or the office staff can just like you know request that information from you know the uh the, the attendants that are in council meeting taking notes and, and punching everything in. Gotcha. So then, then, then the office staff just put that up on a website, whether it be city or personal, right? I'd mm-hmm. like repurpose my personal website to become a councilman website. And then, okay, hey, here's what I did and why I did it. And if you have anything, you, if you have issues with it, please get a hold of me so I can explain why I, I can give you my justification for why I did what I did. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Beautiful. Yeah. Well, best of luck on the campaign trail. I I know it's it's ramping up here in the next few months. You're probably going pretty hard. Yeah, especially with the potential federal election uh, maybe being called. I they keep teasing us with that one. So I'm right. going to be spending the rest of August hitting the ground, door knocking, and and September 
And then I have no idea what I'll do in October if if I'll spend more time kind of figuring out, you know, should I be door knocking some more sure, or, sure. or or what's the deadline for when I'm supposed to stop, right? right like right. whether it's an official one or a, you know, a, a, an unofficial, you know, cool common it. sense. This is, this is oh, okay. just cool it, cool it. People have heard from you. Just sit back and hopefully the work you've done pays off. Right on. Well, yeah. best of luck. And uh, uh, hey, if you get in, maybe we can talk a little bit about what's going on behind the scenes in council. <laughs> oh, sure. Oh, and one last thing. Sure. Because uh, I am I am born and raised in the ward. Uh, go Rebels. Go Rebels. Well, I went to Chef, but we can fight about that later. Oh, it's on. <laughs> it's on. Oh, man, I, we should have started with that. <laughs> I had friends that went to Chef. Honestly, yeah. it, was, it was good rivalry. No, I love it. I love to hear the pride. And thanks for all that, Dan. And... Uh, Best of luck and have a great night. Oh, well, thank you very much, Patrick. And uh, I hope you have a great week. Beautiful. Thanks again. Thank you for listening to the North Bank Media Podcast. If you enjoy this conversation, please subscribe on YouTube and give us a like. If you're listening on Apple Podcasts, please subscribe as well and leave a five-star review. Mm-hmm.